0: welcome to the tabletop bellhop gaming podcast episode 227 wrapping up 2023 a tabletop bellhop year in review i'm sean and here with me the tabletop bellhop mo i am mo
1: Tuzano, the tabletop bellhop your cardboard concierge working with you to make your game nights better
0: we record live on wednesday nights at 8 p.m eastern on twitch and you should stop by and join us sometime and catch some of the sausage making that goes into these episodes little less sausage making than usual.
1: Things actually like went off and started pretty good. I was just playing with my camera for a bit. So he didn't miss much this time. So let's start with uh, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, Happy New Year. Since this episode falls in a weird place in the calendar because we're recording it two days after Christmas. But it's going to go live the day after New Year, So it's kind of... A bit of near end, but not quite end year start, and it's kind of a miss as far as uh, where it falls in the middle of all the holiday traditions. But overall, we hope you have had and continue to have a great holiday season and got in lots of gaming. Now, tonight's going to be a lighter episode with us talking about the games we played in the last year and spending a bit of time talking about our plans for the next year. If this happens to be your first time listening, just be aware this isn't our usual format. So we're going to start just chatting about our holidays so far and then take a look back at 2023, our most played games, our favorite games, things like that. Then we'll take a quick look ahead into 2024, including a pretty big announcement for us. Then we've got two shorter game reviews. We've got Bah Humbug and the 12 Games of Christmas, followed by Catch the Moon. Then we wrap up talking about what we played since the last time we recorded.
0: Find links to things we've reviewed and things we talk about through our show notes at TabletopBellhop.com slash episode 227, that's 227. Some links will be affiliate links that cost you nothing to use, but help support us. Some games discussed tonight, include both, including both of our reviews tonight, have been provided by publishers. Let's get started by a stop by the mailroom.
1: Welcome to this week's Suggestion Box. Here we share some of the feedback we've gotten over the last few weeks.
0: Here's one tip we can squeeze in before the New Year's Eve party, at least for the people listening live. Pablo blowing your mind commented on our holiday gaming tips episode to say, Pro tip, we use chopsticks for munchies like chips or messy candy. Kind of unrelated, maximizing storage space, multiple wine bottle holders with cylindrical holes are good for playmat storage. Well,
1: thanks for the tip, Pabloing. I've seen a variety of interesting snacking while gaming tools uh, that people have come up with. The one that's extremely popular, 3D printed finger chopsticks that you actually slide on like rings that you wear. while uh, actually, they're designed for video games. So you're supposed to wear them while you're holding a controller so you can snack while you're playing, um, making sure you're still getting those headshots and not letting your team down. But I still think those would actually be great for board games and, and specifically card games or something where you have to hold a hand of cards. As for the wine bottle holders, great tip, though this time of year, I wouldn't be surprised if they were filled to hold, you know, wine. Um, But the reverse is true. So if you do have a wine holder out for the season, once the season's done, you can steal it for the rest of the year for your mats.
0: As you can tell, Moe isn't a wine connoisseur who keeps wine <laughs> and keeps wine racks full most of the year. Next up, some more comments on our talk about minis versus meeples, including some more game suggestions. Strong Tsumka 3057 notes, Clash for Eternia is a great game with awesome minis. Ulysses Castillo says they prefer minis for players and standees with backgrounds for all others. And Astropub writes, I grew up using those Ral Partha 25mm miniatures in the 80s and generally felt ambivalent about them, generally preferring the theater of the mind play. However, recently I had a chance to play Actun Cthulhu with customized 135th historical miniatures and 3D printed monsters, and that felt like something special. Now I feel that larger miniatures are better for TTRPGs and we've all been missing out.
1: That's something we didn't really touch on much of uh, at all during that episode is the um, whole tactical combat versus theater of the mind minis or no minis while playing role-playing games. Uh, that's an argument. It's been going on for as long as I can remember, actually, uh, being part of the RPG scene. Personally, I like to use something on the table uh, just to show relative position. And in that case, if I'm playing, I want that something to be a mini, especially like a painted mini or something that looks cool. Even in theater-of-the-mind games, though, I often find it useful that each player has something to represent themselves, even if it just sits in front of them to kind of show the other players, hey, this is me. I I think you're more of the the theater-of-the-mind guy, though, right, Sean?
0: Very much. While I see the value of minis in tactical combat games, I generally prefer my role-playing games to be mini-free, though character art is always nice for players to have. Now, next, we have a rule question I know you can answer. Gary Jones wants to know if you can have zero points in Racco. Does the lowest card in your rack have to be in the number one slot?
1: Uh, No, no. The lowest score you can get in a single round of Racco is five. Your first card in the rack will always be the start of a new chain and counts as the lowest card in that chain, even if it happens to be the highest card in the deck or the highest card in your rack, whichever. Uh, Same thing, really. You score based on where the chain breaks. So your first card's always in the right spot. It's your lowest card in the chain. But then the second card, if it's different, you wouldn't score it. So if your second card doesn't isn't higher than your first card, you're gonna score the first lot. Side note though, I gotta say, like we kind of did the racco review as a bit of a joke. In a way, and technically, I still have a YouTube review of it um, that I haven't even published. It was supposed to be something in our back pocket for a week we missed. and I kind of forgot about it and it got lost in the the mix. And I got to make that live because we get a surprising amount of interaction on that review. So
0: I'm glad we did talk about Racco. Well, that's all for this week. Thank you to everyone who comments, shares, and interacts with our stuff. Now, before we start looking back at the rest of the year, let's take a moment to stop into the lobby, our chat room here on Twitch. Hello lobbyists, because it's always great to see you here with us live. Thank you for joining us for our last podcast recording of 2023. Um. So what
1: I want to do is just spend a bit of time chatting. And you know what, before we get to the actual main topic, I'm going to grab another coffee because I've been drinking this quickly. It's not going to last. But before we get there, just kind of an open conversation. It's not necessarily gaming related. That's why I wanted to throw it in the lobby, more casual talk. And I want to know, um, this goes for the chat as well as for you, Sean. Um, How have your holidays been so far? Like with all the family gaming stuff going on, I actually don't even know what you did
0: for the holidays except for drive up north. Well, I mean, eating was a bit of an adventure after having oral surgery on the 19th. But I managed to have a great time with four generations of my family uh, all together in one place for three days, which nice. is a very rare occurrence. And one, frankly, we don't expect to happen too many more times. Uh, it's a,
1: your, your grandfather's going to live forever at this rate, I think. <laughs> so
0: I don't, I don't know if that's actually
1: going to happen. We're going to have to start placing some bets or something like that. Yeah, for us, we, we did pretty much what we usually do. Um, We did Christmas Eve at Brenda's. We did the usual, you know, turkey and ham and all the fixings. Uh, then we played games. We gamed until eleven. Then we went out driving around and looking at Christmas lights. Uh, we did gifts, of course, on Christmas Day. Um, first time ever, we did dinner at the Mandarin, which I don't know if that's a Canadian chain or US chain, but it's a big chain Chinese buffet place. I was not as busy as I thought it would be. Food was as you expect from a big mass market chain Chinese place. Usually we do dinner at home, but you know what? Deanna didn't want to cook. Um, we a couple of years we tried um like takeout delivery places on Christmas. We're like, you know what? I know we'll get in and i know we can get reservations so let's do it so that was fine um did do some working um worked on deals you know i i I don't know it it was it was we we went back to brenda's we um on um, boxing day we didn't do uh, you know boxing day is just i I don't know if anyone except for a couple local independent places nowhere really does boxing day anymore i guess technically amazon.ca might but i don't tend to shop there that often so so, the, yeah, we were like, oh, I'm going to get up early and share deals for Boxing Day with Tabletop Gaming Deals. And I'm like, no, nah, I, I got basically nothing. Like, there's a miniature market sale. That's about it. Uh, ended up back at Brenda's, had some charcuterie. And the plan was to play board games. But I actually, uh, Deanna got me a set of Taiko Drum Master, to whatever the proper chap, and Taiko no Tatsujin, something like that. Sorry for the pronunciation. And, well, me and the kids just ended up playing that all night. So that was pretty much it for our, which is pretty, pretty um, traditional for what we do. Like well uh, but we made. Uh, you know what, Mandarin went well enough. That might be a new tradition.
0: Driving around looking at lights was really nice. Yeah, I don't know if um uh I don't know, I don't know if there were any board games, but I was definitely getting pings on my phone from Amazon.ca about Boxing Day sales. So they were doing something. I just don't I don't know if it were board yeah, games. Yeah, the not. stuff
1: I wanted they didn't have on sale. Like there were there were a couple things I was like, you know what? Uh, specifically I got a Tyco Drum Master set. Well it ends up being play four players, so I was looking for additional uh switch controllers. Not drums, like the full drum set's a bit expensive. But, like, we found out you can play air drums, basically, holding the Switch controllers. Right. So, I was like, and there was something else. The kids got um the newest Mario game. I couldn't even tell you what it's called, because that's how much. But the newest 2D Mario game. Right. Which, again, you can play four people at once. Well, my Switch plays two people, if you do this silly, turn the controller sideways thing. Oh, there. See, the chat knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> Super Mario Wonder. Super Mario Wonder. So, yeah, part of our Christmas Day was, again, we still have no TV set up, right? So... Uh, so it was the switch the little screen set up on our kitchen table and me with one of the little mini controllers held sideways which looks laughable in my hands <laughs> and genevieve playing and i was like man you can play this for a player like all of us could be playing this would be cool but i need new switch controllers and those were not on sale
0: right so yeah i mean uh chris we did we actually did a bunch of christmas lights too uh on christmas nice. eve uh we did dinner uh we were supposed to actually do Windsor pizza and uh and stuff but uh Planes got changed, some COVID hit some parts of the family and and, and dinner plans got dinner plans got rearranged. But uh we ended up going out. Uh me and the kids did a walk through Bright Lights at uh, Jackson Park. Nice. Uh and the weather was just fantastic for it. Oh yeah. Um we tried like Kennedy is um uh, the Kennedy parking lot is the main parking lot for it. There wasn't a chance in heck. We ended up parking over at the old Catholic Central building began walking, right? Because I mean there were literally like ten cars doing laps, waiting for anybody, anyone <laughs> to turn on their light, their car. Um, but it was packed. Uh, we they've got a bunch of stalls and food and things there in the bright lights. We didn't mm-hmm. even get near there. It was so packed. We just walked through the lights and uh, oh, geez. you know, did some selfies and uh, enjoyed the beautiful, somewhat foggy night. <laughs> um, yeah, it was weird. It's uh, the the fog was was my sort of biggest bane. Uh, like yesterday, I drove 534 miles, uh, <laughs> and there a lot of it was fog. And then the night uh, on the 23rd, I went to Hamilton and came back on the 24th, and it was fog in both directions. It's just been uh, very foggy around here. We've had temperatures 12 degrees Celsius, and around mm-hmm. there, which has been a nightmare for the weather. Uh, definitely not a white Christmas no uh, but we did oh, no, the- but we got the rudolph thing right like <laughs> on some foggy yeah, christmas eve yeah, exactly.
1: we, we actually got that this year which was the kids thought that was hilarious because mm-hmm. we were driving around looking at lights yeah i actually hit up uh windsorite.ca for anyone local um chris bonucci i've actually I have an article published on that website um his web page and looked up like the best houses in very different neighborhoods mm-hmm. and then i used um ways to kind of get there but then meandered on my routes and we ended up doing the same thing on um Christmas Day as well, so we saw lots of lights. We just drove by bright lights, though we didn't actually go in.
0: We actually we did the uh, I, I did the Riverside Drive drive uh, for the kids to see the big, yeah. you know, rich. Rich expensive uh houses, which didn't work too well on Christmas Eve because you couldn't no. even see them. Yes, <laughs> um, I was gonna say you couldn't see the river. It was yeah, yeah kind of ridiculous. Really bizarre. Uh, but then we did another pass on Christmas Day and we could see them. And then uh Boxing Day, uh the kids finally got Windsor Pizza for the first time. We did Capri. Oh, we well, for a, the first time. Yeah, yeah. I didn't realize that. Yeah, we, so we did a super from Capri uh and we actually had Ooh, that on the drive home and uh <laughs> That was, uh, that was their introduction to Windsor pizza and they were, they were, they were suitably impressed. So, nice. uh, their, 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 comment was, it's probably not worth driving that Le포- far for, but it's good pizza. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Oh, that's all right.
1: It's all right. Yeah. So just jumping over to our chat room since we are here in the lobbies. Uh, so Math Guy Dave was able to be here because d d is not running right now, which is common for most things. Like my mom's here. Usually Wednesday nights is Euchre night. So that's not going on. Um, also, kid, um, Math Guy Dave's kid finally uh, tested negative for COVID. So good on that. Good to hear that was over. Um, a lot of people got the COVID this year. Like it was.
0: Yeah, it's good. I mean, the new the new variant is, is sort of ripping through the schools. So uh, yeah. and, and that's where where uh, my family got it. Their teachers. They're, you know, two parents two parents who are both teachers and two kids and both in school. That's just kind of, kind of how it happened.
1: Yeah. And then Darkling Blight, who's from the UK, so would know, is is talking about how Boxing Day is not really a thing in the U.S. as it is in the UK. But it used to be a really big deal in Canada. But now Canada just does Boxing Day. Like, yeah, there's a couple places that do, or sorry, did I say Boxing Day twice? Black Friday. Sorry, Black Friday. Like, like here, Black Friday. You didn't used to get Black Friday here. Black Friday was the day you crossed the border and went to Detroit. Shopping and then Boxing Day is when Detroiters would come over here to spend their U.S. money, right? here in Canada, but like everyone, yes, Canadian Tire, the Bay, the Mall—they all had various Boxing Day sales, but it wasn't the big deal it used to be. You don't even like you mention it to some younger people, and they don't even know what you're talking about. So,
0: uh, welcome to the Tabletop Express, catching us live for the first time. First nice. time chatter in the. Uh Chat. and yes Midge um, Kayla pointing out that they'll definitely take fog over last year's snowy nightmare yes no yep. uh no no lake snow effects
1: this year yet so then uh one of the questions of course I keep getting asked is games for Christmas so the 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 list of list of games I got this year for Christmas I wasn't expecting much so first off was Scythe the wind gambit expansion from um my mother-in-law or it was my sister-in-law I'm sorry I we opened everything at once, and I can't remember which it was. So from my in-laws. um, And then I found out my mom must have listened to our wish list episode. Because, like, you can kind of check them off except for the full game room. So I got Arc Nova, Maglev Metro, and Space Base, the Mysteries of Terra Proxima. And I wouldn't be shocked if Twilight Imperium ended up under the birthday tree in about <laughs> a month. But we'll see. Because that's the only one that was on the list that didn't get bought. So that was pretty cool. Um, Deanna got me one of those 3-in-1 Crokinole boards. Which at first I was like, it's one of those three on one ones, but she's like, No, no, I did my research and of the, you know, cheap boards, this is the best. And this way we get it, we try it out because she's like, I don't want to buy you like a $300 board. We play twice and you're like, I'd rather play pitch car, right? And it just ends up getting wasted and maybe we bring it out to a couple local events. And I'm like, all right, that's fair. So it's one of those, we're like, all right, now we have a board, let's play on the board. And if we love it, then maybe next year we'll consider getting like a nice high-end board from um, maybe those people who are at Origins, which I totally forget their name right now. Now, the other thing I have, which I don't know if it still makes people jealous anymore, but Deanna managed to find a bunch of these. This is a Lorcana starter set sealed at our uh, friendly local game store, the CG Realm, who, um, unlike many places, did not mark them up. So we had Lorcana starters at MSRP. So um, we were talking about how will we, and many people have asked, are we going to review that game? Well, now we probably will at some point. So that was cool to see. Um, The other thing, this one's for the show, and I actually happen to have it here, so I figure I might as well grab it. So we got to thank my brother-in-law, Gord, or uh, Uncle Gord, as the kids call it, Dee's brother, for a new tool for the podcast, which I haven't figured out yet or even opened because I didn't want to try to figure it out for tonight. Um, The only thing I could really think of that might be neat that I could do is the newscaster thing where I put the other camera here and I do the switch, the (laughs) views. I don't know. But uh but the main thing I was actually thinking is that I could possibly do a top down of something or a table beside me and be able to switch to show off things, like kinda like I just did, but more fancy.
0: Uh, it's gonna be nice for unboxing, definitely. Yeah. Uh and there's also a possibility of some other stuff we may uh we may be able to do with it. We'll 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 look into that later as uh Well I don't on.
1: wanna also get it all set up and then we move downstairs again. So Well, I mean, it's not
0: not the end of the world. It just plugs into USB. You know, it's not like it's it's, uh, difficult to to deal with. There you Um, go, Yeah,
1: Dan Dan has probably called it out. The the more tech means more sausage making at the start of the show.
0: uh, Congratulations, uh, Mage Kayla. uh, Dune Ixians and Talaxiu expansion. Awesome. Two copies. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Okay. Hopefully you didn't double pay. You just got two copies for some reason. (laughs) There, that is a game that to go with something we'll be talking about later. We need to play that more. Yes, we do. <laughs> that that would be nice. Um. So, so uh, uh, again, chat. Feel free to share if you got anything cool. Um. So, what about New Year's? You got anything planned for New Year's?
0: Uh, no. <laughs> um, okay. I recently reinstalled Fortnite and uh, I sort of expect a lot of headshotting in the remainder of my holidays. Hopefully a little bit of, uh, maybe some duos with my son before I'm back to work on the second. So,
1: all right, well, I'll, I'll make it official right here. We finalized our plans just about the the light. What are you doing? He's killing our lights. <laughs> I'm like, what are you doing? You got lightning going on behind me.
0: Oh, and where'd your audio go?
1: And we lost everything. Oh,
0: no, you're back now. You're back now. I hear you now.
1: Okay. That was just weird. I don't think it actually cut out. I just think I wasn't talking. That's all that happened there. Oh, uh, well, that's cool. Math guy, Dave's daughter's <laughs> first boyfriend coming over for New Year's. Testing to see if he can play games or not. You can't date my daughter unless you <laughs> beat her in Catan. So anyway, as I was about to say, um, we finalized our plan. So what what we're going to do is we're going to head over to Brenda's at some point, probably pretty early in the day, and uh, game in the New Year over there, including some more Taiko Drum Master and some board games as well. And uh got the okay from Brenda. So, Sean, why don't you join us this year for New Year's? So usually it was at our place. It won't be here. But she's got the much party-friendly house. So You are welcome to, to join us at Brenda's this year. And we can formalize when that happens later. Sure. It sounds better than Fortnite. But then I can't promise. You, you got to find <laughs> out. Yes. And, and Windsor Pizza. But you get Windsor Pizza all the time now. So.
0: It's still a good thing. <laughs>
1: yes. Yes. It'll be it'll be Antonino's specifically. Right in this case, because they do the best gluten-free and Brenda needs gluten-free pizza. Fair
0: enough. Uh, All I, right. Uh, yeah, so are we ready to uh, shift into the... Uh, yeah,
1: so so that catches us up on Christmas plans. Feel free to share. We'll call them out um, in the chat room, but I am going to refill this and find that water.
0: Normally, we're here to answer your gaming and game night questions, but it's our last show of 2023 and our first show of 2024. So we're breaking yeah. from our usual format do a pretty typical podcast end of year thing, yeah. AKA, it's a holiday,
1: and um we're in the middle of the holidays, and it's a lot less work to sit and talk about last year and what happened than to actually prep a full episode and you know come up with answers and game recommendations and stuff. So yeah, we're being lazy.
0: Well, don't worry, we'll get back to answering game and game night questions next episode. Sure. So the big thing I want to fa- focus on tonight,
1: because like everyone does, a yearly recap at the end of the year, but I want to specifically talk about games. The games we played and stuff like that. I want to save things like, you know, what was your most popular podcast episode or what was your favorite topic of the last year? or What's your best performing blog post Two two player date night games again exploded. But anyway, that that is um, that that I think we're going to save for our six year anniversary episode which happens in July. So we're going to save like the podcast stuff for that. For this, though, I just want to talk about games we played in 2023 and games released in 2023 and stuff like that. Starting with, you know, the basic
0: stats. Note, we are recording this on December 27th. So there's a chance we'll get in some additional games before the end of the year, especially with New Year's Eve coming up. So my total games played in 2023
1: was 385 plays of 118 unique games, though only 22 which were new to me. Which that seemed wrong. Like that that was BG stats, and I didn't have the time today to um using the BG stats app to like go through because like like we didn't just review 22 games this year. Like that doesn't seem possible that only 22 were new to me out of 118 unique games. But whatever, I I don't know. How BG stats came up with that unique games. Uh, sorry, new to me games, but that's what it claims is only 22 new to me games. Now, last year, just to do a quick comparison, this was way better, which makes sense. Uh, more games played, different games played, new to me games, and uh well, a hock of a lot less um sheltering at home and wearing masks and more public play events and going out to cons and so on. Now, 2024, I am pretty sure is gonna be higher, right? Because um, there's some new local game nights being played planned by some other people. Um, we're planning to attend at least two cons in 2024. Plus, I'm hoping to get some more regular game nights started up at my house.
0: Well, I got in uh, 175 plays of 68 games, 51 of which were new to me, apparently. Wow, <laughs> that's huge. Uh, the uh, The board game arena plays have really quite petered out over time since the end of lockdowns, which has actually yeah. pushed my numbers down a lot. From the previous years, but they are now representing more real plays, if you want to look at it that
1: way. Yeah, more physical plays with real people in person. I don't even know if I played on board game arena this year. The this year feels like three times longer than it actually was, though so not as long as the 20 years before it, before COVID started, but at least just like you know, like 2019 to 2022 was 17 years or so, and last year was three. Something like that. I don't know. Um. So as I mentioned, like I, I do have BG stats now. I finally bit the bullet and bought that silly app. And I, though I've been fighting with it for a few things, I finally seem to have it set up. So it actually auto syncs back and forth because for a long time it went one way, but not the other. Like if I put my log, my plays on board game geek, they showed up here, but not the other way. That's all fixed out. So that's cool. Um. One of the things it did tell me about was my, what was it? H factor. Um, I don't know what H stands for at all. Possibly it's the person who came up with this thing. I don't know what, it, what H factor is, but you'd look at the number of games you played and then the number of times you played each game. So like if I played um, whatever, I, this game nine times, and then I look at how many games I played nine times, and you find the spot where those are equal. So if like nine equals nine, so like the number of games you played is y, and the number of times you played the game is X, you figure out the spot where X equals Y. So I, I this seemed pretty sad. I don't know. I don't know how this what I usually get, but I got a nine. Um, so that meant I have at least nine games I played at least nine times, or it's I or it's I, there's at least nine games I played nine times, or there's nine games that i played at least nine times it's it's somewhere one of those um which which i gotta uh call out one of the fans of the show sarah um who created the 10 by 10 challenge and and say sorry i guess i failed this year not that i officially signed up to do one but i did not play 10 different games 10 times this year which which seems a little low disappointing I, i i feel like i should have hit that without trying especially with the number of party games we played this year
0: so the h index, which gives you the h value, is actually something from uh, journals and uh, uh, publications, uh, educational publications. Okay. So it's uh, defined as the maximum value of h such that a given author journal has published at least h papers that have each been cited at least h times. So it's games and plays in this case uh, versus papers and citations. Okay, um, I uh, <laughs> I did not do well. My h value was six. Uh, Despite being in Windsor now, I'm still mostly playing completely different games every time we get together with public events helping to push my play counts up a little bit, but not that much. Yeah,
1: I think the 51 new to you out of 68 games is a good (laughs) indication of that one. And and I'm actually slightly surprised it wasn't five exactly because of our whole we try to play games five times. I'm surprised it wasn't five games five times just to, to fit that. Alright, so so for those who care about those stats, there you go. We we both failed the 10 by 10 We both would have succeeded in a 5 by 5 challenge, but only if we didn't have to pick the games ahead of time. So I gotta say, overall, uh, and the more physical plays together, not even, like, not necessarily together, but like, together and apart at physical tables is always great to see, and I, I still expect that's gonna go even higher next year, I hope. <laughs> I expect, I hope. <laughs> um. Next, though, let's look at our most played games. So, this one, it's it's. I always find this fascinating. Like the games I play the most isn't always what I expect them to be, and it's what I like to hear from other podcasters. So what I'm going to do is uh, we're going to start with our top ten, going to our tenth least played games, whatever. Number one is going to be our most played game. So we're going from ten to one. So this was was a huge surprise to me, and and that is my number ten. Um, out of a ton is uh, trick draw. That was a the 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 rapid fire card game that I like. I don't know what what I expected from it, but like I thought it was going to be a deck builder or it was going to be Uno, but it's a tableau. Bu- it was funky. Uh, it's a rapid fire tableau building game, and um, but yeah, we played a bunch of times to review it. But then I, I brought it out to the barbershop bar a couple times, and I guess it added up. Uh, really solid card game. I just I didn't think it'd be one of my most played games of the year. And actually, my number ten is also.
0: Trick <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. again we did play it a bunch of times out in public um yeah. so i guess it shouldn't be surprising i mean it's just a solid game that plays really quickly and it is so easy to teach anyone mm-hmm. to pick up it's just you know really easy to get it to the table a number of times yeah i agree well, I fully will admit that was a game we got to the table a
1: bunch of times, and I haven't really touched much since. Uh, though, really, to be fair, since September, I can't get to it, so it's not even in our backdrop back there. So that could be a big factor in why we haven't played it more. Now, at the complete opposite end of the spectrum, I have Catch the Moon, which I'm like, holy cow, that's in my top not like that's number nine. I opened unboxed this game last week, like, and it's one of my most played games of the year already. Um, well, that. Kind of makes sense once you know the game. We are doing a full review of this one later. This is, it's, it's a fun, quick dexterity game. And I don't think I've ever sat down to play it with someone and we only played once. It's always, usually about three times in a row before people get sick of it. Sometimes it's five to ten.
0: So for me, uh, The Deadly. Because we had a few local plays, as well as plays at Origins, uh, which snuck this game in with yet another easy-to-teach trick-taker that really anyone can pick up and is just great for a wide range of players. Uh, next up for me, we're at number eight, is Bah Humbug in the 12 Days
1: of Christmas. Now, I knew this was going to be high because I wanted to try a bunch of the different games in there before our review. Again, later this episode, they, they just... That was coincidental that those two follow each other. But the thing is, instead of just trying a bunch of different games, I keep going back and playing the same games because they're so good. Um, I've been enjoying introducing them to different players. Like, oh, here, check out this cool game. You can play with these cards. Um, this happened at the barbershop bar. Um, the thing is, I wish I could log plays of each individual game because to me they feel like completely different standalone games, but you can't. But I will tell you straight up the giving season, the trick-taking tableau builder. That, uh, Sean played this one with D and at Cafe Amour. Um, that that is the number one game out of uh, humbug in the twelve games of Christmas for me. Not surprising.
0: So uh, for me, Heat Pedal to the Metal. Uh, now this one is on Board Game Arena, uh, and it did go members only after a while. And I have seen, I have mm. actually canceled my membership. But while this game was free, I played the heck out of it when it was first <laughs> released on Board Game Arena. And while I think for a, uh, a regular group game, if I were going to buy a game to play with people, I would probably still prefer Rallyman GT. He okay. does a lot of things really well. And the solo game, uh, for it is fantastic. So. Uh, yeah, that's one of that's still year. on my wish list. Yeah, it's got a lot of buzz this year, and I think rightfully so. Yeah, that,
1: this is on a a ridiculous number best of 2023 list. They keep more keep popping up day by day. Um, we kind of have our own going on right now, and here it is, even on our list. But as a most played, uh, my next one is Boop. Um, I'm not surprised. I I'm I guess I'm surprised it's not quite as high. I thought it might be a little higher. This is the the abstract strategy game about cats jumping on a bed um played a ton of it my kids dig it i like it and the big one is the theme makes this a very easy sell for public play events now the thing is though when i bring it out the public play events i don't play i just teach and i don't log my teaches as plays unless i actually play the game as well i have taught a lot of games of boop that i haven't played in because it's so easy to pick up at a at a at a um a public play event because people just dig the cats the board And even if I'm playing Boop, someone will come up and be like, oh, what is this? And I'll be like, here, do you want to take over? So, or we're almost done. Do you want to play the next round? So Boop is my number seven. Fair
0: enough. So for me, it's Dice Kingdoms of Valeria, the roll and write Valeria game. Now, this one did wear out its welcome for some people. But with the variety of adding in the expansion pack, we got a lot of plays of this in. And I'm really not sorry we did. Uh, I don't know how often it's going to come out again, but uh, while we were playing it and while we were sort of in that uh, mm-hmm. that small box Valeria mode, it was, a, it was a solid game.
1: Yeah, we definitely did more than five on that one. That, <laughs> that was one we played quite a bit. And uh, to be fair, it was packed to bring to Brenda's the other day because my kids also enjoy that one. And she enjoys it. So we didn't play it. We were playing Tycho instead, but like I'm still bringing that game out. I, I enjoyed it. it. It just missed the list. Uh, number six is one that was on Sean's list already for me. That is the deadlies. And while the only reason it's higher on my list is I bring it out to more public play events. Sean's not at, um, this one's no surprise at all. Um, though I honestly think it probably could have been higher. I think I might've forgotten to log some plays, and it probably belongs a bit higher up. Um, this is like, I brought this to my uncles who, who's not a gamer and I played with like my aunts and, and I, heck we brought this out on Christmas Eve and my mom played. And anyone who knows my mom knows like traditional card games. Yes, anything but that. No, no, I'm not a gamer. And and here we have my mom playing Deadlies. Um. So yeah, I, I honestly the Deadlies is is fantastic. It's to be fair, it's the new Garinto, right? Remember how like last year, two years ago, I don't even know when we we're talking about Garinto. Garinto was the game where like no one's heard of this game, but you have to buy it if you see Garinto, buy it. Now it's the Deadlies. Like no one's heard of the Deadlies. Everyone should have heard about the Deadlies and should go pick up a copy. I'm going to keep talking about this game until more people start talking about this game and going, yeah, yeah, I have it. I played it. I know people who have played it with me and ordered it on their phone while
0: sitting playing with me. Well, there we go. Mine is next is Disney Sorcerer's Arena. Now we got a lot of play out of this. And mm-hmm. thankfully I don't count my mobile app version plays because I play wow. that pretty much every day, at least once, uh, since we since you got the game uh and I <laughs> wanted to figure out what the difference was between the online and the and the physical version, and I just kind of got hooked with it. But the physical board game is just a solid tactical squad game with good difficulty, but An easy to approach aesthetic that's really easy to get involved with.
1: I will be mentioning that game in a little bit. (laughs) Uh, Next one for me is another just makes sense logically. uh, Number five. Is uh five golden, no, actually it's six three colored rings that are around a castle and monsters are charging towards you. Um, this makes sense. This is Castle Panic Big Box. There's the main game and four different expansions in here, and we wanted to play through them all one at a time and try them combined with each other, as well as introduce the kids to various versions and bring it out to public play events. And and honestly, um, there's no surprises on this list. But the big surprise to me is how much I ended up enjoying the game with the expansions, uh, specifically once we added Crowns and Quests, that that final expansion that just changed the entire vibe of the game. The goal of the game changes, and Castle Panic went from me a meh to one of the best games I played this year.
0: Fair enough. So uh, next up for me, the number five is Aegis. This has been a long standing three player game that has been going on on Board Game Arena since I first started playing Board Game Arena, uh, playing with both Game Time and Satsuwata. Um, And interestingly, they updated the game this year. It has actually changed to a newer, more modern rule set on Board Game Arena, uh, which has introduced some slight changes with bidding for the opening role. But despite those changes, it is still a great, straightforward card game that just keeps coming back over and over again. Uh,
1: Next up is the reason Boop is lower. Um, Shobu. I I knew this was going to be on this list, Deanna, and I played a lot of Shobu. I played a lot of Shobu at public play events. I've introduced people to Shobu. I knew it would be higher than Boop because, as we talked about in our review, while I'm glad I own both Boop and Shobu, and I find them to be quite different, though similar, um, for playing at home, playing with my wife, and playing with my kids, Shobu wins out for me as the more enjoyable game. And we keep returning to that time and time again. If we're headed out to the county to hit a coffee shop and maybe a brewery later, I'm going to pack Shobu boo over Boop. Though if I'm going to the barbershop bar, I'm still going to grab Boop because it has that universal appeal. All
0: righty. Well, next up for me is Psychobabble. Now, public plays really helped push this one up in my rankings. Uh, again, it's just so simple to teach and quick to play. I'm really sensing a theme about my my big gameplays here. Well, <laughs> I got to say, in any of the, the you can play
1: the whole game in 10 minutes versus the, you know, Marrakesh is not going to be on my most played games list. Probably not even next year, even if I try to play it as much as possible, just because of the length it takes uh, to play the game. Uh, next for me, we're at number three is Star Realms Frontiers. Um, I said it during our review last week. We we fell back in love with Star Realms and have been loving it since discovering Frontiers. Um, helps that both my kids ended up loving it as well. Uh, they continued to ask to play it. Um, Gwen's now brought it to Walkerville with her to play with her friends. Um, I've always loved Star Realms, but now we're back into it with Frontiers.
0: Uh, well, next up for me is once again, back to board game arena, Sushi Go Party. When this was added into board game arena, our play group there quickly jumped on it as a new challenge. Mm -hmm. And the variety of cards in the party version really make the game so much more replayable than the original next and number two is where
1: disney sorcerers arena epic alliances falls for me yes we were playing it a lot and my kids dig it so i played a lot with the kids plus there were the early learning games when we went through the uh the onboarding which is four games right there that deanna and i went through just to kind of learn the game and then when my youngest daughter played i went through the onboarding again This one's up there well past the double digits well not past the double it's still double digits but it's high up in the double digits um just because of the number of times i've taught the game and played it and the thing is though it's not just because i was trying to learn it now what did bump this even higher is the fact we reviewed all four of the expansions so there was a lot of required plays in there, but you know what? I never minded. It's a very solid skirmish game, Um, though I am now a little worried that it may be going away. Um, There were an awful lot of sales on Sorcerer's Arena over the holidays, and I got to say that'd be a shame because it's such a solid game. Um, This is a game I would love to dedicate more time to, like deep dive. Like a collectible card game, right? Like try to figure out the meta and try to figure out card combos and what characters work best. And if I'm facing off against someone using this character, who should I use, right? I I think that game could go deep and hard that way. The problem is there's no local organized play for it. And I don't think that's just here in Windsor. I don't think there's a lot of organized play going on at all, which may be why I'm starting to see it on sale everywhere. Fair, but unfortunate.
0: Uh, now, next for me, again, with Board Game Arena is Go Nuts for Donuts. Now, I was really surprised that this one is actually as high as it is. I know I play my Board Game Arena games a lot, but the flow of this game is so great. And I guess it's just easier than I thought. Uh, starting to a new game without even really noticing uh, you're not still playing the last one. Unfortunately, <laughs> that may be because I'm not great at the game. And if I collected more donuts, I'd notice that I suddenly had no donuts one day. Uh It's one of these games where, uh, you know, all of our group tend to win once in a while and uh, you're either great or horrible at it. I I don't have an in-between on this game at all. I'm either at the bottom or at the top.
1: (laughs) That's one I still haven't even tried. Maybe that should be one of my resolutions for next year is to get more back into board game arena. Or maybe not. I don't know. I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing. It It would definitely up my unique gameplay. So this leads me to my most played game of 2023 and this is no shock to me for the reason sean already mentioned and that is psycho babble um i just played it again five times on saturday um now one of the problems with that game is like what's a full game right you always have that problem with these party games is is what do you log if if, if, if i play five rounds with five different people playing the psychoanalyst is that five plays or is that one play going around the table but it doesn't matter this is by far the best social deduction game i played it's been a huge hit at home with the family um but even more so out at our public play events like at this point this is the game you just always pack right like like people who like go to cons and always carry a copy of werewolf with them well if i'm going to a public play event i'm gonna bring a copy of psycho babble
0: fair enough well for me my number one is still sushi go the original <laughs> Now, which this isn't a big shock because it is very quick to play, even more so than the party version, as there is less to think about with that more basic set of cards in play. So this one just cycles through, even though we still play, uh, we have switched primarily to the Sushi Go party. There's always this game of Sushi Go going in the background and it just churns faster.
1: I just find it ironic that you're still playing both with the same group of people. <laughs> you think you'd stop one for the other all right just so people know i am just gonna drop my next 15 but i don't want to talk about them it's gonna th- i'll be here all night so i'm just to give you the list to give an idea of the other games that i played a bunch of this year we've got birds of a feather kapow reality shift court that one surprised me downforced point salad tome astra Aurum, crystallized distilled the game illiterate viticulture and seas of havoc
0: now i have so many games at two to three plays each it's kind of a long list that again you know you can pick them in any order at this point but i think we all know that they're going to be pretty similar to mo's list so we'll we'll skip listing that out directly
1: so one of the things that i thought seemed pretty obvious um to based on our list here is that uh, hey look we're board game reviewers um compared to previous years Almost everything in that list are not only review copies, but like review copies we just got. Um, I, I'm actually sad to not see games I love making the list. Like, like for years, if I did this list, you're going to get stuff like Azul or Power Grid on there. And like, yes, Viticulture is on the list. You know why Viticulture is on the list? Because I needed to relearn it to review Viticulture World. Not because I love viticulture, though I do love viticulture. Um, like, really, the only old game on that entire list, going down to my top, like, whatever, I, I think, what do we do with 10, 25? I did my top 25 games. The only thing on there that's really an old game that I play all the time is the game. So that, w- that was a little surprising to see in my face. I was like, wow, okay. <laughs> I, I, like, yes, we, the, we, we're we a podcast. We review games, but like, we always talk about we're not the new hotness. And I'm like, oh, yeah, the, well, they're new to us. They may not be published, but we're still. Seems like we're doing a lot more review games than not. So, now, there's reasons for this. Um, For one, not a lot of open game nights. So, when we did get together, we had to play the pile of obligation. Like, these, we are obliged to review these games. So we do need to play them in order to be able to review them. So that's fair. Um, and again, we we do the, the thing where we try to play games about five times each so that we actually deep dive it and make sure we're playing by the proper rules. And we're not doing the rapid fire, play it once, put out an opinion, play the next one for good or bad, I guess, in that in the case of number of games. Um, the other one is our Friday night group was Tori, Kat, Deanna and I. Well, Tori and Kat um uh, produced a baby. The 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 Clark messed that one up, so they are new new parents and dealing with all the things new parents do, and we haven't, honestly, we haven't gamed with them since they had Clark. So, that is a big chunk out of our monthly, weekly gaming. And I never did get that Monday night group back together, which, I, and then still, public play, before COVID, I was running one every other weekend, if not every weekend, depending. So, less public play. So, all of that means... Less games played, less time to play games, like less overall games played in the year, which forced us to focus on those review copies. And you've heard Sean mention on the show, like, yeah, I'd love to play stuff more than once, but we don't have time. So I think my first goal for 2024, here's my first resolution, I guess, is more game nights where we just play games we like and already know. Like once we get the basement back, I really want to try to have a game night regular here X day of the week. Rain or shine, we're playing something here at my house. I don't know what day of the week it'll be, if it'll be on Monday night or a Friday night, if, or maybe it'll be, a, a, I don't think it'll be a Wednesday night, because I can't see that fitting in while we're podcasting. <laughs> but some night of the week, I would like to get things to uh, back to having a regular game night here.
0: Yeah, and so the year has been tumultuous uh, in, in many ways, uh, mm. between uh, health issues and construction projects, unexpected construction projects. Uh, so while you game a lot with your family outside of that, yeah. it's just been a lot more limited and that's the great reason why, uh, our numbers are really so varied is that, yes. uh, you know, while I game with you guys all the time, you're gaming even more with both the kids who are now, mm-hmm. you know, of an age when, and, and of a uh, demeanor that they really enjoy playing a lot of these games, uh, but also your Sunday, uh, your Sunday games yeah. when, uh, whenever possible i know you had a delay even there like your numbers would be even higher had there not been flooding at both of your homes yes
1: yep yep uh so yeah we're only just started that back up so
0: yeah so there there's been uh, a significant number of limits between between health and uh and building issues uh yep. that yep. Uh, we hope will uh be uh dealt with and uh, we can move on to a fresh start in 2024
1: now, the other thing that kind of slapped me in the face was uh, all board games, uh, no RPGs. Like, like I, I, I would have sworn I ran something. Um, I remember running Runaway Hirelings online for some of our patrons, which was pretty cool. But, like, I guess that wasn't last year. I guess that was in 2021. Mm. So, so it's now been two years since I played or run an RPG, which is just sad. And, like, usually, like, we go to um, Origins. I usually play games. This year with Origins, and we had a lot of fight to get our badges, and we weren't sure we were going until the last minute. And because of that, I didn't book anything ahead of time. And usually, I book some games, and I did not book any games because by the time we were going to Origins, and we knew when you went into Eventbrite or whatever it was, the app, any DM I wanted to play under their tables were full. So I didn't even get to play. Like, normally, it's like, oh, if I go to a con, I at least play under some friends or under some, I'll, I'll try to play games with the designers stuff like that and and no none of that happened so um i did read a couple things um the one ring core rule book um technically i'm in like a monster section that's kind of bored kind of boring and, and hard to get through i did read and review the warhammer first fourth, fourth edition starter set uh but i didn't run it we didn't play
0: it so while i've gotten plays of masks uh uh supers revised edition games actually going ongoing uh, I even had one Savage Worlds game online. Uh, yep. For me, I really need to start wor- reading and working on the list of games that I started and then never touched again. Uh, <laughs> and possibly even get some reviews done for the channel, either text reviews for the blog or, uh, you know, another possible uh, Seven Supers episodes that doesn't include <laughs> my Eminem M&M and P&P.
1: So no, I, I'd still uh, you you got to pick some one of the like champions for sure. Never review champions. We'll never talk about it. And and I'm tempted to say like Eminem. Just never actually mention Eminem ever <laughs> again. No, and, no, and refer it just to so it as this
0: is better than or this is worse than, but never actually review Eminem. Yes. The <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Like never. I I don't even know if she's better than or worse than. Just like skip it every time because we get so much interaction from people. What about what about
0: champions? What
1: about Eminem? Those are the two.
0: Yeah, and, and I'm like we, fair, do, we just have to the I really should review because it really is a solid game. Um, no, no, that's that's totally oh, fair. But I know people do do comment on that about that one as well. So.
1: Yep, yep. Um so yeah, my second goal, second I I don't know if I want to call it a resolution, kind of hate that term is to um for 2024 is run some rpgs in some way fashion um now i'm not foolish enough to expect a a full group or a weekly game night but you know what at least a short campaign some single sessions, something
0: anything yeah i would love to get a mask game together even just like a one shot at one of the barbershop events but as someone who's actually never really gm'd a real game in person before (laughs) i did one game of late 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 show for you guys back in like the, the the high school days <laughs> yep. um but i i gotta work myself up for that but uh if i can if i can put together a uh a game i, I may end up running a masks game locally there you go and
1: hey, i will admit I, i'm gonna blame our discord members just a little bit here i did offer to run red box D and and there were some people who jumped up and not enough to play Well, that might have actually been last year too because as we quarantine.
0: So we That's figured out that uh, you ran hirelings in the summer of 2020. So oh, there you go. <laughs> three and a half years. Well, it's still ago. over two-, two years. That's
1: yeah. still not quite three years at this point. Still pretty bad. Alright, Uh, we played lots of games. We talked about what we played a lot, but you know what? What we played the most is often not the best games we played. Um, Like Sean said, Sushi Go is great, but I don't think he's got it as his top game of all time, <laughs> and has fully admitted that Sushi Go Party is better than Sushi Go. So, I think what we're going to do is a bunch of top threes here, just so, again, we're not here all night talking games. Um, we may talk about each of these games, we may just fly through them. So, I'm going to start with my top three new-to-me games that I played for the first time in 2023. Um. One, I still haven't played by the proper rules, but I'm putting Marrakesh on this list. It just felt so good to return to a heavy Feld. I love Steffen Feld games. I love Point Salad. It was so enjoyable to play that style of game again. Um, Marrakesh, uh, it, it, by the time we review it, it may be my like the best game I review next year at this point. Um, Next would be Distilled. We're feeling like Marrakesh in an hour, in a way. Because it it hit all those nice medium to heavy weight Euro feel. But in literally an hour playtime with people who know how to play it, with three of us, we almost finished in an hour with a teach. So this still just rubs all those nice, happy Euro, medium Euro itches and just enough meatiness with some some randomness. I really dig it. And then my third is going to be Artemis Project from um, Graham Gamers Guild. Really digging this worker dice placement game, dice placement worker placement game. Building things again for that very elegant, quick six rounds doesn't take three hours, but feels like you played a nice epic game.
0: All right, so up for me, uh, the first up is DC Deck Building Injustice. Now this is a, a slight variance for the DC deck building. It's a, it's sort of a, a new system, but to me it is the best PvP uh, game they've come out with yet. So I mean, Good. if you can get your hands on it, and if you are into the competitive uh, style of DC deck building, Injustice I think is really a kind of a must-have. Nice. Um, next up would be Heat Pedal of the Metal. Now again, I haven't played this physically, but the game is just so well organized and, and so just, it just feels good. You know, you can, the, the, the card play and the, and the way that you're, you're accelerating and, and maintaining speed is just a fantastic, uh, racing game. And while I realize racing games aren't for everyone, uh, <laughs> I found out that I'm actually a, a fan of racing board games. There you go. Uh, and then to wrap yeah, wrap with up, that in GT. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, and then to wrap it up, Disney sorcerers arena. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of skirmish games, but this one is doing it right for me. Uh, the, the, you know, whether it's because of the theming, uh, it's not, you can't say it's an easier game. It's, it's really not less complex than a lot of the other skirmish games out there. Uh, but it just feels a little more comfortable maybe because you're familiar with the, the content and the, uh, the characters. Now, as usual, most of the
1: games that were new to us this year weren't actually released in 2023. Um, We often say we're not the new hotness, but we actually did play a a fairly large number of games that are listed as released in 2023. Now, note I am going with Board Game Geek release dates, so please don't jump on me if these don't actually fit and the game came out in Europe years before or whatever it was kickstarted and and I don't know. I'm going with the Board Game Geek numbers here, okay? because that's what I have. Um, my tops uh for 2023 are gonna be Aurum from Pandasaurus, the um deck building game where you can't follow suit is probably the most noticeable part of it. Um distilled, which I already just talked about why I like that, and then the mashup of naval war game,
0: worker placement, and deck building that is seas of havoc. Well, and I you know what? Again, mine are actually gonna be very similar here. So Aurum, absolutely, it's just fantastic seas of havoc while the game isn't necessarily going to be on my top list what they did with it the the different uh, combination of mm-hmm. mechanics they've put together here really makes for an interesting game even if there are, it does have some aspects that don't necessarily uh work perfectly for me and then DC Deck Building Injustice, which was is on two of my lists now, because I did actually play the hot, new hotness there. Uh, I got yep. that straight off the Kickstarter. And again, it's just fantastic. So here we go. All
1: right. So so it's obvious I need to play more RPGs, uh, maybe something with Thaco, so I can practice my basic math. So sorry, it has been three years and four months since I've run a role-playing game. Thank you, Math Guy Dave, who's obviously aptly named <laughs> Uh, next, I want to go into most unique games. Um, unique is very subjective, but like just stuff we hadn't really seen before. Um, I'm going to go with three again, just sticking with three, just because it's, uh, I don't know, whatever, three is a magic number. Um, number one is going to be Block and Key. This is another one that we just got to here at the end of the year, and I couldn't help but compare it to Mountains Out of Mole Hills because they look so similar, but the games have absolutely nothing in common. Um, this is a spatial ceramic block placing game that just uh, it has that feature of which way you are looking matters so like you need to see things from your side of the board i really enjoyed it i love the chunky pieces we'll be talking more about this one and the um, bellhops tabletop next would be reality shift deluxe the 3d racing game here you have light cycle type things racing sci-fi on cubes that can be moved they're magnetic like the whole concept is just so awesome and then last is one of the uh, murder mystery escape room games we played, and that is body of evidence because it added a paper corpse and an entire autopsy part of the game, which I was just like, I never thought I'd be playing a board game where I'm I'm cutting into a corpse Um, that its nose doesn't buzz when I mix up. So I, I just that the, the, the entire concept of that series of games with the, the corner aspect combined with the clue solving and puzzles, I, I just thought it was pretty groundbreaking.
0: All right, well, I decided to, uh, even though I could easily pick some of those the same, I decided to go with three others. And for me, that's Kapow, because while no, it's not the first ever dice building game i think they did some really interesting things uh compared with the theming and Mm -hmm. so as a superhero battler kapow combining that dice building concept with the multiple characters that you can swap in and out on top of your base uh, abilities made for a really interesting supers battling game uh, next up, Seas of Havoc. Again, we've already said this several times, but the the, the combination of, of mechanics, even though not no single one of them is unique, they are combined in a, a brilliantly yep. unique way. And then Fighting Fantasy Adventures, which uh, isn't out yet, uh, but still in the future, but uh, a really interesting take on a Which Way book brought out into a uh, group party uh, deck not deck building a tableau building a sort of adventure I, no it was just
1: map, a card-driven build, dungeon card-driven
0: crawler. Dungeon crawl there we go yeah because you, yeah, you had a hand of cards i
1: guess with your items there was a little bit of card management with your powers i, I would just say card-driven de- dungeon crawler
0: but uh really looking forward to that and i know a lot of people who have great memories of the original books back from back yep. in the day are also looking forward to uh you know having that back in their lives yeah, and since uh, you know what, since you're just calling that out, that
1: was technically a preview, right? A prototype preview yeah. we played. We have played quite a few of those. So I figure, why not? Like, let's do a category of that. So so you've already said fighting fantasy adventures. That's the one you think is going to be good, the, the one you're looking forward to. For me, that's Bah humbug. Um, We'll be reviewing it tonight. Bah humbug just blew me away with how enjoyable. I thought I was getting one game in a bunch of silly mini games. And those silly mini games are good enough to be solid games and then castellans of valeria i can't wait to see the production copy of that it looks like it's gonna be fantastic um great area majority game with a ridiculous components and dual layer boards plus it's valeria we love valeria and shockingly i am looking forward to a party game uh that we didn't actually preview but i got to sat down and play a demo copy at origins and that was what the cup um which is liars dice for gamers and Again, we're not big party gamers, but there are a few party games I love. And one of those is Liar's Dice or the um European version Meyer. And this is this is Liar's Dice with a D12 and a and and a specially designed little cup for shaking it. I that is going to be such a big hit at our local public play events. I can't wait for it.
0: Now, I'm not as big a fan of the previews. And I know we've had a, a few, uh, a few bummers and a few, uh, annoyances with some previews, uh, with, you know, rule books not being ready and such. And, and we have sort of peeled back a little bit on yeah. doing previews for that reason. Uh, we are not play testers. We are reviewers. Uh, yeah. we can play test, but that's a different thing. Uh, so really for me, uh, you know, it's that fi- fi- fighting fantasy adventures that, uh, I think is really going to be a big hit with many groups when it finally loses.
1: Yeah, you'll notice uh, this will be true in the coming year as well. Most of the stuff we're going to do previews of are from companies we've already worked with in the past, and we are generally previewing complete games anymore. The, the game has to be 99.9% finished before before we're going to agree to preview. So
0: uh, we could have went the other doing, way, and so we're going to preview, preview more next tonight. year. Hmm? Except for the preview <laughs> we're doing tonight.
1: <laughs> yeah, we, well, as I said, next year. Next year, we're going to try to... But again, we got to play it. We got to try it. So the, there was more of a reason for that one um what we got left you know what i think next we'll talk about uh this may be probably my last one here before we start looking to the future so i'm just going to give the the folks in the chat a chance here is there anything about 2023 you want to quiz us on is there a game type you want to know is uh and any questions about our our, the last year gaming related again not podcast favorite episodes or anything like that but if there's anything you want to know now's your time to ask and while we're giving you a little bit of time to stew over that, we're going to get into our biggest surprises. Um, again, I'm going to go with three. Did I do three? I think, yeah, I did do three here. So my first one is the Deadlies and honestly, Psychobabble. And I'm going to group those two for one specific reason. We didn't ask for these. Um, In a way, Psychobabble specifically, I said No. <laughs> Yet the publisher or representative of the publisher, um, talked us into taking these games home from Origins and basically insisted that we take them home. And both have proven to be huge hits, um, extremely popular games. And it's not just like, oh wow, they're great at public play events. Yet I hate playing them and I hate bringing them out, but they're popular. No, I even enjoy these games. So those are two of my biggest surprises because, like, I wasn't even going to touch these games. And the third, um, which I actually thought was from last year, but doing some digging, it was early in the year this year, we discovered My Little Pony Adventures in Equestria, the deck building game from Renegade Games. I, I never would have thought that a My Little Pony deck building game would not necessarily would be good, but would be a detailed, interesting, resource filled strategic card game that it is.
0: Yeah, MLP was definitely a shocker for me. I had to pull my uh, foot out of my mouth after making all sorts of uh, My Little Pony jokes about this game. Uh, only to discover that this thing had a lot going on, was even doing some unique, uh, you know, unique Mm -hmm. costing and things within it. Um, another one that I didn't have on my list, but I think is worth mentioning uh, as a shocker is trick draw. We both had this yeah. on our top 10 and it's not the game we were expecting. We were expecting oh. a trick taking game. Yes. And that's not what it is. And yet it was still good enough to make both of our top tens. So, uh, props to yeah. the, the folks at, uh, uh Housefish balloon fish and Balloon fish balloon for uh, coming up with that. Uh, And then the next one is, it it seems like it should have been longer ago, but it was only in January last year that we finally got our first play of Weather Machine. And it was extreme, and we've only played it that once, but it really kind of flipped something about the kind of games I like, showing me that uh, heavy games are more interesting than I sometimes might have thought.
1: Fair enough. All right, the chat's letting us down, but that's fine. It's the holidays, they're relaxing. we didn't get any other action, anything else. So we're going to move on to um, some 2024 thoughts. And we are going to start off with uh, what I think is a pretty big announcement, at least for us. This is a milestone for our podcast. And it's one of the the most awesome things coming for 2024 is that we are now officially sponsored for 2024 by Grand Gamers Guild. So a huge thank you goes out to Mark Spector, sorry, and I'm going to mess up his name now that he's sponsoring us. Mark Spector from Triple G uh, for reaching out to us um, and offering to sponsor the show in the new year. Uh, Now, you all know how much we love Mark's games, um, but that was well established before this relationship. Um, Mark and I got to know each other through Gorinto. He sent me a prototype of GarenTo because he liked one of my reviews, and I couldn't even tell you what. Um, we sat and played it at a local coffee shop, the and I, and I instantly fell in love. And he was the first publisher that I had a chat open with, and we just kept going back and forth, like, hey, this, and I think this would be cool, and I like because this was a the, yes, I was doing free play testing, but you know what? At the time, I liked the game so much, I you know, I had some suggestions for improvements and questions. And well, to be fair, Mark, after that point. I became a fan of him and he became a fan of ours. He is one of the Tabletop Bellhop's biggest fans and advocates always trying to get more people to listen to our show. I, I don't know how many times I'm on social media and I notice, I, I, you know, you got to mention someone said Tabletop Bellhop. I look and it's Mark saying, hey, check out these two folks. that do a great show. So that's awesome. So you know what? I, I think we've had a great experience with Mark. And I really like I'm already gushing about himself before this happens. <laughs> So I don't think this is this is something that's going to impact our show negatively in any way. It's it's only a good thing.
0: Now, of course, this doesn't mean we will be all Grand, Grand Gamers Guild all the time, nor no. will we be making sure that there's a guild game on every game's recommendation list. What this does mean is that we will be calling them out as a sponsor at the top of each of our 2024 episodes, and we'll be including a short ad segment in after the uh, Ask the Bellhop segment before the coffee break. This will probably highlight their latest Kickstarters, newly released games, and things like that.
1: Now, the other bonus is this
0: sponsorship actually
1: includes something for you, our listeners, as well. Uh, Mark has provided us with an exclusive discount code um, that you can use anytime you're on the Grand Gamers Guild shop to pick up anything or any of their games. Uh, You get 10% off with this. So any order you make, Grand Gamers Guild, be sure to enter bellhop, B-E-L-L-H-O-P to get 10% off. And uh, as far as I can tell, this is going to stack with all existing offers. For example, I was able to um, put the Holiday Hijinks bundle they put out with um, the Kringle Caper Thanksgiving. And there was a third one, the Pumpkin one, all in one package. I put it in and it's discounted for a package discount and our bellhop stacked with that. So I thought that was pretty cool. So that's uh kind of our gift from um from us from Sean and I as well as from Mark Specter of Grand Gamers Guild for all the Bellhop fans. You can now get Corinto cheaper because Corinto is amazing and you should go get Corinto from Grand Gamers Guild.
0: And don't forget, uh, even though they are sponsoring us, we do have other uh companies to deal with us as well. Be willing to be willing to check in Bellhop, B-L-L-H-O-P, wherever. You're trying games to see if it works. Uh, we do have lists uh, on the website where you where where we'll tell you it'll work or not. But uh, go ahead, throw our 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 code in there everywhere. Just <laughs> yeah. in the case,
1: it may just work. And so if it doesn't, try Bellhop Ten because uh, outsmarted for some reason made us change our code. Mm-hmm. Now, as for other plans in 2024, uh, we're going to be sticking with the same schedule we have now. Uh, This is just for everyone's information's sake. We're going to be recording Wednesday nights, 8 p.m. Eastern. That's not going to change. Episodes are going to go live on the following Tuesday. Other content on the blog and YouTube will be scattered between those episodes. Maybe at some point in the year when things are a little less disruptive, that'll be on a more regular schedule. But right now, we're going to get it out when we can get it out.
0: We will have planned breaks for the Gamma Expo and Origins, as well as next November when the holidays start up again. With, unfortunately, occasional breaks throughout the year for family vacations and the inevitable cancellations due to illness appointments, etc. That's just how things work when you don't record content in advance, but we'd rather have the interactions with you, our audience, live here rather than just storing up episodes in the background. Yes. Now, as
1: for gaming, um, I will be continuing to co-host game nights at the barbershop bar once a month, uh, but currently don't have any other solid plans for public play events. Now, I do know another local Windsor game group is starting up something new at the Walkerville Brewery in January, so that could become a regular event, so I'll be watching that. Now, as mentioned earlier, I do hope to do is get a regular game night at home here in our house going once again. Uh, But my basement has to get finished before that'll start. So we plan on keeping our regular Sunday night dinner and gaming events at Brenda's going as well.
0: There will, of course, be other random weekday and weeknight game nights, mini Sean cons, and what have you throughout the year. Yeah. Now, those
1: gameplays will, of course, focus on the various review copies we have with more coming but I do want to toss in more plays of games we enjoy the most to get past five plays on some of these games, not just playing everything five times, then moving on to the next one. So I'm hoping, you know, if we do a weekly game night set up, maybe we can specifically set that up as a no obligation game night or at least limit it to, you know, at one obligation game. But then from then on, we play something else.
0: And while I hold out hope, I'm not holding <laughs> my breath for that.
1: Fair <laughs> enough. Now, the other thing I would love to do is the there is a non-obligation pile of shame that it keeps getting higher uh, with Christmas. It just grew again. Um. So what I want to do, it's, it's probably a pipe dream, but I, I I would love to reduce the pile. I think I say this every year in our end-of-year episodes, but I, I kind of want to put on, like, find a long weekend and literally do a reduce the pile of shame event. Don't worry about five plays. We don't play anything five times. There's no obligation. Play everything once and then make a decision. Was that cool enough to play again or let's get rid of it? Because yeah. the other thing I want to do this year is reduce the size of my game collection. Um, I want to get things to a much more manageable level. Uh, with the uh, the first goal being all the games fit on shelves. So you don't see stuff like the piles behind me and to my side. Actually, I'm zoomed in enough, you can't really see them. Um, no piles of games. We we want we want no piles. Like the pile of shame, I want it to be a shelf of shame instead of a pile of shame. So um, I have started on this one, um, listed a, a big group of games in the local uh, gaming communities. So if you are local, watch for that. Um, also on our Discord, I've been listing what's for sale.
0: Uh, sadly, shipping has only become more and more unreasonable in the past years. So uh, it, it's local only at this point.
1: <laughs> All right. Anything else you can think of that we should work towards in 2024 without overpromising?
0: Well, I know you're still not eager to change the video visual format on layouts, but uh, we may still talk about that and, and whether or not that's going to happen or not. Now that you've got the stream deck, we may be able to uh, make use of that in uh, into some of the broadcast and, and uh, try and get things a little more dynamic during the show, maybe. Yeah, so we're not
1: just static heads talking to you all week, all day, all every week, all all show every all week. You will be here. It's all week. That's our our plan is just to be live twenty four seven and constantly talking game. Then you get to see how little we actually play. We're we're gonna get um GoPros and we're just gonna wear them from certain hours a day, and you get to see everything we do. <laughs> no, none of that's gonna happen. No, I still think what I need to do is like like just give you an entire show like here. Do what you want with it. Let's see, or even a month. Like, like, we'll give we'll give Sean like April is Sean's month, and and Sean like picks the topics and writes the format, and we'll see how that goes. It'd be like a what do you call the yes no testing? That's not the A B testing. A-B testing. We'll, yes, we'll do some A B testing.
0: All right, well, all right. There you have it. A look back at our year in gaming for twenty twenty three, as well as some thoughts and info on what you can expect in twenty twenty four for the tabletop bellhop gaming podcast. Now sponsored by grand gamers guild <laughs> welcome to our look at an early prototype of bah humbug and the 12 games of christmas
1: that's right the game we're about to talk about isn't out yet actually it's not even due to hit retail until the holiday season of 2024 but we've been playing it a lot this season and i figured it'd be cool to get the word out now while everyone's still in the holiday spirit and the holiday mood And then what we'll do is we'll probably republish this review once we know the actual release date next year and people can go grab a copy.
0: So remember, we're talking about a prototype copy of a game, a prototype that very well may change significantly by the time the game is finally released. While we know some parts of this game are finalized, like the card art on the main deck of cards, other parts like specific game rules are still being playtested and developed.
1: So Bah Humbug in the 12 Games of Christmas is actually a reprint of the 2021 game Bah Humbug in the 12 Days of Christmas Bluffing Game. This company obviously likes long names. Now, this game was rebooted through a rather successful Kickstarter in 2022, which featured the original game. So you're getting Bah Humbug in the 12 Days of Christmas Bluffing Game, but also 12 additional games. And even cooler, each of these games is from a different designer. Now, that's what we're looking at tonight. So, actually, there's 15 additional games, but we'll get to that.
0: So, both the original Ba Humbug and this new Kickstarter are being published by Small Furry Games right here in Canada. Ba Humbug itself was designed by the founder of Small Furry Games, Emily Willicks, whom we do have to thank for letting us take her demo copy home from Origins. Yeah, The unique card features thick Victorian-themed artwork by Olha Bondarenko. Designers of the other games include Felix Falk, James Gichtalma, Evan Halbert, Duncan Hecht, Koyomi Kawasumi, Pedro Kerouac, Jan Spodek, Chris Stone, Ren Weiss, David Walderman, and Clark Willicks. So, the games Embaugh Humbug and
1: the 12 Games of Christmas have a wide range of player counts, ranging from solo games to party games that play up to 12. Playtime is also varied, with most of the games taking well under half an hour, with the longest games still being about an hour tops. Now, the box lists the game as being ages 10 plus, but I would say quite a few of these games would work with kids a bit younger
0: than that. As a bonus to all, if you pick up a copy of the game, Small Furry Games has promised an annual Christmas present of one new game a year. As it is, the game already includes not only Ba Humbug, 12 other games, but also three bonus games as well. That's two party games and a single player game. So the games in Ba
1: Humbug and the 12 games of Christmas are, of course, holiday themed. Uh, Specifically focused on Victorian holiday traditions and Victorian style artwork with a particular focus on the 12 days of Christmas. Now each game also comes from a different designer as I mentioned and they feature a wide range of game mechanics. And I've got to say one of the things that really fascinates me about this game is how you have the same components
0: used in a number of different ways. And I am going to just change the graphics which appear to be wrong the end of the world i can easily fix that in post but for the rest of it i will have them correct now although our copy of this holiday themed game is a prototype we did record an unboxing mainly to show off the awesome card art and multi-use components so be sure to set some time aside to watch our bah humbug and the 12 days of christmas unboxing video 12 games of christmas
1: unboxing video on youtube you know how many times when I was working on these show notes, I typed twelve days game days. Now I'm getting it backwards the other way. Twelve games of Christmas. I I do dig the clever name, but I make that mistake all the time. So sorry about that. Yeah, the main thing that caught us about this game, um, we were walking the floors of Origins 2023, and it was that Victorian Christmas themed carder. It was on display on a shelf, and there was like a um an old timey looking um envelope mailing envelope there, and I was like, what is this? So we walked over and we started looking at it and uh, props to uh, the designer of the game, the owner of Small Free Games, for catching our shirt and seeing that we were the tabletop bellhops. they're like, no, what's even better about this game? It has a bellhop in it. And I got to say, I was pretty sold. Uh, Deanna in particular was smitten with the art and she's actually the one that convinced me um, to ask for a review copy at the end of this. So what is so nice about this game is that artwork and that look, the, the aesthetics of this game are really good. They're on point for the season. Now, in addition to a unique deck of cards, you also get some cool wooden components. You've got uh, little red berries, and 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 these are wood, and, and little black pieces of coal. And then there's a couple golden arrows that are used for different things, a first player pawn, and then a bunch of additional cards. Like, there's some that look like wreaths on one side, presents on the other. There's a couple that look like clocks, there's calendars, there's just all kinds of little bits. And then there's a summary card for each of the games in the box that lists the player count, the play time, um, what components are needed and then I'm back a little summary of play. Now the instruction book will have more information in it. Now, again, we had a prototype co- copy, but the production quality on this prototype was fantastic. Like the cards look great. They were nice and sturdy. And if the production quality is at least this good, which I don't see how it'd be any worse than the prototype, I was impressed enough. Now the rule book needs some work. Um to be fair, we didn't even have a rule book. Um, I tried to learn my first game off one of those cards, and that went a little rough. Well, it ends up, um, there is a PDF version out there that is currently still being updated, and it is still a work in progress.
0: Now, since this game box contains one main game, 12 other games, and three bonus games we didn't even know we were getting, there's no way we can no. give you a full how to play here tonight. Yeah, sorry, I'm not teaching
1: 15 games in one podcast episode or segment. But what we can do is say that the Bahumbug in the 12 Games of Christmas features a unique deck of 78 cards. This is the feature. This is the big part of this, right? And this deck has one partridge and a pear tree card and two turtle dove cards and three French end cards. And I'm sure you get the rest, right? So it goes all the way up to 12 drummers drumming now this is the deck that is used in all of the games this is the main feature right this is the neat thing that they developed this deck and now they're producing different games for them and then as i already mentioned there are some supplemental cards and components to go with them now what you use each time depends on which of the actual games you're playing and the player count and The neat thing you probably won't notice at first because we didn't even catch it is the main deck cards often feature unique elements that will come up only in some games. So there may be symbols in the top corner that aren't necessarily related to the card. Or, for example, our kids notice that one of the Lords are leaping, which are frogs, is facing the other way than the rest, which I'm sure matters for one of the games.
0: Although it is kind of sad that as a Canadian publisher we didn't get the Bob and Doug McKenzie version of the Twelve Days of Christmas, but <laughs> there you go. I guess that's not Victorian enough. No, no,
1: no. That, that's not old timey Christmas. That's a
0: well, a CTV is, Christmas. Kind of old old timey <laughs> these days. Uh, but since yeah, one of the true. main parts of this game box is a reprint of Bah Humbug, how about you at least
1: give us an overview of that one? Yeah, that makes sense since that's that's supposed to be the core draw here, right? So. You're going to make a ring of cards numbered 1 through 12 using the wreath card so it looks all wreathy and pretty, right? Give it a hand of cards to each player. Then the starting player then is going to play a card face down on the 12 spot and call out the value of 12, which in cases 12 drummers drumming, right? Then the next player is going to play on the 11, and they're going to call out 11 pipers piping and so on going down um, the traditional song. At any point, though, a player can go, bah humbug, and there's this mailbox in the center of the, the, the um, table. That you tap, that way if two people call them bah humbug, it's whoever taps the card first, right? It's just like a slap game. Um, once you do that, the player who's playing the card reveals it. If it matches what they said it was, they get a berry for being nice and not lying to everyone. If they lied, though, they were naughty, and the player that caught them gets to steal one of their berries. Then you flip over the rest of the cards one at a time, going around the wreath, and everyone who successfully lied up to that point did a good job. They, they managed to, to lie to everyone. They get a coal. You then start another round, but then you start at the 11. You play a round, and then you start at the 10, and so on, going down around, kind of like the clock. Now, the first player to get three berries or five coal
0: wins the game. There's a little bit more to it, but that's the overall gist. So, a light, simple bluffing game based on the 12 days of Christmas that gets interesting due to the fact that there's a diminishing number of each card as you go down your numbers. Well, how about the other games? What is another game that stuck out to you? All right, so I, I, I'll i give you a quick
1: overview of my favorite game that's in Humbug, which wasn't Bahumbug, right? My favorite game in Humbug in the 12 Days of Christmas is The Giving Season. This is a trick-taking tableau builder, which is a combination I have not actually seen before. Everyone gets a hand of 13 cards from that special deck, right? Each round, everyone's going to place one of these cards in the mail. They put it face down on the side of the table, and you put that mailbox card on top. Then the first player leads, and just like a normal trick-taking game, goes around the table. You reveal the cards, or sorry, you look at the cards, highest card played, takes the trick, ties going to the last card played. That player then gets all the cards that were in the trick, and they have to lay them out in front of them in a tableau. Then they get to distribute the mail cards. They're now the postman because they won the trick. So they take all the mail cards, everyone put face down, and hand them out to the other players. Then they lead the next round. Now, because they're the postman, they get to lead face down. So they have a little advantage next round. Everyone plays a card. They reveal the cards. And whenever the trick takes it. They're the new postman. They hand out the cards. Everyone puts a new set in the middle and so on. You keep going until the full hand is played. Then you score points. And the way points work in this game is you win points for having the majority. So whoever has the most fours is going to get one point. Whoever has the most eights is going to get one point and so on. If you're tied, no one gets the points. So a big part of the strategy... Is trying to make sure you're not the most or if you are the most you're tied with someone else right and of course you got the special deck so if you have the one you're stuck if you have two of the twos you're stuck you have two of the threes you're stuck and so on you keep playing until someone gets to 12 points and then the person with the least points wins so it's uh golf style scoring
0: Now, i've played this one myself and while the rules have been somewhat in flux since first trying once you pick a version to play it's a solid <laughs> game though and i think They've been moving in the right direction with the rules as opposed to adding problems. So I think their development system is yeah. actually working and, and we are seeing the games improve through playtesting and rules revisions. No, I agree.
1: Uh, my first play when I hadn't seen the PDF and I tried to learn off a card, PDF version is definitely a better version of that game. So Humbug and 12 Games of Christmas also include solo games. Uh, I'll give you a quick overview of one of those, just so you know. My favorite of those was Ladies Dancing. Now, this was actually a game you could play with a group or play solo. Now, it's a card drafting game where you're trying to build five sets of cards, each of which has to include three matching cards. You get bonus points for things like the last card you collect in a set being part of the matching cards or having five golden rings in the set. And what really shocked me is I, I Sean called me out when I first talked about this is I'm not usually someone who cares all that much about theme. I'm more about mechanics. Well, the mechanics were solid, but what sold me on this one was the theme. Because the lady dancing was supposed to be you are a chaperone at a, a ball, a Victorian ball. And the cards you're drafting are the suitors who are approaching to dance with the ladies. And you're trying to find a match. Well, you find a match if you dance with the same suitor three times. And then if the lady danced with the same gentleman three times, um, the last dance was them as well. They get it end of night kiss. That's that bonus point for having the last match. And while if the rings were played, that represents a proposal, which, again, I just thought really fit the Victorian dance ball winter theme very well.
0: Now, other games include a mashup of trick-taking and deck-building, a pandemic-like solo game about being a hotel manager responding to complaints, a two-player-only game about arranging a row of animals on parade, a super quick two-player game about dressing the mantle, a two-player variant of Pyramid Solitaire, and more. And so the coolest thing about Ba Humbug and the 12 Games of Christmas is the
1: sheer variety of game types, game times, and player counts that's packed in one small box. It features a pretty limited number of components. I honestly don't know of any
0: other small box game that packs the punch that this does. While we don't know the price point of this game so far in advance of its release, it's hard to imagine it won't be a deal with so many games in such a small, concise package. And then there's the added bonus
1: that is just beautiful and seasonally thematic. Up until now, I didn't really have a lot of holiday themed games in my collection, right? If we're doing a Halloween night, I can fill you out. But like, oh,
0: it's Christmas season. Let's play Christmassy games. I didn't really have much. Now I have 15. And with the variety of player counts, it's great for both big family games as well as the kids just sneaking off to play while the grownups are doing their own thing.
1: Now, the more impressive part of this game box, though, not just the variety, is how good these games are. The games we tried have all been solid. While I haven't loved all of them, they're not the best games I ever played. There are some real gems here, like some seriously good games that stand out that I would buy if they were standalone games. I would happily buy a copy of The Giving Spirit as a standalone product, and I wouldn't be disappointed at all. That game alone is worth the price of entry as far as I'm concerned with this. Deck Build the Hall, same thing. I'd pick up a copy of that. Ladies Dancing, yep, I could see picking that up as a store as well. Just having one of these games to me totally justifies owning a copy of Bah Humbug and the Twelve Games of Christmas. The fact there are a bunch more
0: games in there that are good is just kind of silly. How much you get here? I think all of us who've played it have agreed that most of the games would be perfectly acceptable standalone games. Something you wouldn't <laughs> be upset to pay you know, under ten bucks for uh, the sort of yeah. single deck box at the cash register impulse purchase games that that you see, uh, you know, right out right there at the cash on your our, your local FLGS.
1: <laughs> yeah. Totally agree. Now I will say, not every game is going to be for everyone. I but I bet you there's at least one game in this box for you and your game group that you're going to enjoy this. Possibly even one that's so good that it becomes part of your regular gaming rotation. I'll admit I was not a big fan of Bah Humbug, the 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 bluffing game. It, uh, just not for me. But my kids loved it enough that they brought the game to
0: school to play with their friends after I taught them how to play. Indeed, with 16 games to start with and more promised in the future years, it's hard to imagine you not finding at least a few you enjoy and different groups might like different games. Now, my only complaints in
1: regards to Humbug and the 12 games of Christmas all stem from the fact that we, what we took home from Origins is honestly an incomplete prototype. It's something they had printed up to bring to Origins so they can do demos. And we had to talk um, the person into letting us even bring it home. Like, I don't even have a rule book in my copy, and it's obvious reading the most recent version of the rulebook online that the rules for some of the games are still in flux, and so are the game's final components. For example, at least one of the games I sat down to play expected you have two different mailman cards, and I only have a red one instead of a red and blue, so we didn't actually even get to try that game. And you know what, though? Uh, It makes sense, right? Like, this can be forgiven. My copy is a prototype. I I begged them for their demo copy, so I got a demo copy. So, of course, it's not ready. Plus, the game isn't even set to be released until the holiday season at the end of 2024. That is a lot of time from now to further playtest, develop, and finalize things.
0: And from what we've seen, they are moving in the right direction. So, we have high hopes for the final product. Overall, we're super impressed by Ba Humbug and the 12 Games of Christmas. This small box holiday-themed game packs a ridiculous amount of punch for its price, whatever that price is going to end up being. The unique deck of cards looks beautiful, and I love seeing all the different ways different designers have come up to use these same cards.
1: Yeah, I don't usually say this game for everyone, like just go out and buy it, but seriously, if you are looking for something to play with your friends and family during the holidays, I'd be shocked if you can't find at least one game in this box your group's going to enjoy. And I expect most groups are going to find a few. I know there are games here that we are going to be
0: bringing out every year, and a few I can see us playing year-round. Well, that's it for our look at Bah Humbug and the 12 Games of Christmas, a holiday-themed game that has a lot to give with a base game and 15 other games included, as well as the promise of a new game every year. So I do want to call out before we wrap up, that the
1: Kickstarter price was $29, which is supposed to be... 15% Fifteen percent off the MSRP. So, what are we looking at? Thirty dollar game, or thirty-five? Math guy Dave in the chat <laughs> could help us out here, because I don't have a calculator in front of me. Well, I do, but I have my phone on uh, on mute right now. So, it was twenty-nine dollars for the for the Kickstarter, and that is fifteen uh, percent off what the MSRP was planned to be. Now, I do have to say they are releasing in twenty twenty-four, and who knows? Because of inflation and everything else going on in the world, it may jump up more than that. So, overall. Gaming is a big part of my yearly holiday tradition. So what about yours? What game does your group of friends and or family or friends and family play this time of year? Do you have seasonal favorites that come out every year? We'd love to hear about them
0: in the comments. Join us as we try not to make the moon cry as we review Catch the Moon from Thames and Cosmos, who we have to thank for sending us a review copy
1: to check out. Catch the Moon is a dexterity game by Fabian Rafo and Juan Rodriguez. It features artwork by Emmanuel Mallon and was first published in North America by Cosmos Games back in 2017 and is
0: still readily available. This ladder stacking game plays one to six players with games usually lasting well under half an hour. The rules are super simple and the game can be enjoyed by players of pretty much any age, though you may have to worry about ladders breaking or going into the mouths of very young
1: kids. In Catch the Moon, players are attempting to reach the moon by building a stack of precariously balanced ladders. Each turn, a new ladder will be added to the growing stack, but if any fall, you will make the moon cry. The player who made the moon
0: the saddest Least sad, sorry, who makes them moon the least sad, wins. Due to some technical difficulties, we don't have an unboxing video to recommend or link to you tonight. Yeah, that was
1: a bummer. But what you get with Catch the Moon is a big plastic cloud base with several holes in it to insert two starting ladders, a bunch of misshapen birchwood ladders, a custom D6, and seven raindrops representing the moon's tears. There is a felt-lined box insert to hold all of this, as well as instructions in multiple languages. Instructions are very clear and include ways to play competitively, cooperatively,
0: and solo. Bone quality here is very good, though the die could use to have a, its features a little bit darker. The ladders are nice and light and come in a variety of different shapes, including things like missing rungs, which makes stacking them even more fun.
1: Now, to play Catch the Moon, you place the plastic base out on the table, stick two of the three straight-edged ladders, there's one spare in case you break one, into the holes on the base. There are multiple
0: different configurations for this, including the ladders being able to lean various ways. Then the first player, the last one to see a full moon, rolls the die and places a ladder using one hand only. The die features three different possible symbols. A single ladder, which means the newly placed ladder must touch one and only one other ladder when placed. A double ladder, which means the new ladder must touch two and only two ladders when placed. Or a moon, which means the newly placed ladder must end up being the highest point in the structure after being placed. Now a ladder placed on a moon
1: can touch one or two other ladders, but no more than two. Note this isn't as clear as it should
0: be in the Cosmos
1: version of the rules.
0: If you fail at following these rules when placing your ladder, or if any of the ladders fall, touch the table or the cloud, you made the moon cry. Take a raindrop token and your turn ends. Any ladders that fell and
1: one's... The one being placed, if it hadn't been placed, like if you knock stuff off before you let go, they are removed from the game. As are any that are touching the base, if possible. Sometimes things fall in a way where a ladder is touching the cloud or the table and still holding things up. Those stay into play until they can be safely removed.
0: The game continues until you run out of tiers or ladders, and the winner is the player with the least tiers. If two or more players are tied and there are ladders left, you continue to play as if each player rolled a moon on the die, with players being eliminated if they can't place a ladder. If there's a tie with no ladders left, you share the victory. That's the basic game. Playing cooperatively has players working together
1: to build the highest structure they can. They collect a set of tiers based on the number of players and take turns rolling the die and building the structure as normal. At any point, though, players can turn in a tier to score. This is based on how high the structure is and is actually compared to the box lid. Ladders sticking past the top of the box are worth one point, where ladders completely over the top of the box are worth three. Anytime someone makes a mistake, though, one of the scoring tiers is lost, and the game is over when the group has no more tiers.
0: There are rules for playing solo, which are just the cooperative rules, but you just play by yourself and try to beat your own high score, which isn't much, but it works. Now, I
1: first got to try this game at Origins 2018, and I have wanted a copy ever since. So big thanks to Cosmos for hooking us up finally. Uh, Now, I love Dexterity Games, and I adore the theme of this one, as well as the fascinating physics in play here. Catch the Moon is one of the most funky, stacking games out there, and it's all due to the wonky ladders that come in this game. Their weight and their shape, and the way they interlock with each other is just fun to play with. Similar to Drop It, another great dexterity game we've reviewed in the past, things
0: don't quite act the way you'd expect at first. You're also not able to pick which ladder you're going to place, as you're supposed to be blind reaching into the box to choose. So you may not even get a ladder with the features or shape you're hoping for to match that die roll placement. Now this
1: is also probably one of the simplest games, or possibly the simplest game in my collection to teach. Roll the die and place a ladder with three possible very easy to understand options. Touch one, touch two, or be the highest. That's it. That's combined with a cute and approachable theme that makes this game fantastic for public play events and for gamers of all ages. Now, it
0: remains to be seen how resilient and sturdy the pieces are. The spare starter piece doesn't actually inspire confidence, but so far we haven't actually seen any real concerns. Mishandling, of course, can be a concern for any game. So yeah, the the
1: ladders definitely do feel a little flimsy. Um, I would be extremely worried if someone like bumped into the game or if it fell off the table. But as Sean mentioned, that's kind of a concern with most games. Now, one surprise to me was the fact the game included cooperative and solo play. Like, I actually wonder if this was something that was added in later printings because I noted on Board Game Geek it's listed as a two to six player game. And yes, I submitted a correction. So that could be fixed. Personally, I prefer the competitive game. But I love that there is a cooperative version, as I know many game groups that prefer to play that way. And cooperative is often better when playing with you younger kids.
0: And the cooperative, at least when you're first learning the game and the interactions, is not easy. The box <laughs> isn't large, but it seems enormous when you're trying to get ladders to reach up high enough and you keep rolling that single ladder so that you're never really able to build a support structure for other players to place ladders onto. Yep. Uh,
1: overall, that's the moon is it's exactly what it sounds like, right? There's there's no surprises. It's a stacking dexterity game featuring funky wooden ladders. It happens to be a game I love. My kids love it. My extended family likes it. And it was a huge hit at our last game night at the barbershop bar here in Windsor. Super easy to teach, accessible, and just fun. That is,
0: if you like dexterity games. If you don't like this style of game, or more importantly, if you have issues with shaky hands, yeah. Catch the Moon probably isn't a good fit for you. Yeah,
1: this one it just didn't hit for Deanna, my wife, who generally doesn't like dexterity games. This didn't win her over. Um, it also was, um, there was an issue when I was at the barbershop bar with one gamer at our last name that actually found the game impossible to play due to slightly shaky hands. It doesn't take much to to knock everything over in this game. But in general, if you like dexterity games, especially stacking ones, you should love Catch the Moon. Well, that's all we have to say
0: about that. Thank you for joining us for this review of Catch the Moon from Cosmos, a ladder stacking dexterity game with super simple rules. What's your favorite stacking game? Be sure to tell us about it in the comments. Or better yet,
1: join us on the Tabletop Bellhop Discord and let us know there. You can find it at discord.tabletopbellhop.com. And now in the Bellhop's tabletop, we
0: look back at the games we played since the last episode.
1: All right, we're going to start off with a Sunday afternoon gaming. A um, couple of Sundays back where I introduced
0: you to Catch the Moon.
1: Uh, I think we had most of what we said during the review. I don't know if you have anything more to add.
0: Uh, really, it's just sort of interesting to see uh, the, the feel of the pieces. Like touching this game, as so many dexterity games are, uh, getting your hands on it and feeling it. Uh, if you are interested in dexterity games at all, makes a difference. Yeah. So uh, definitely get your hands on it at a, uh, you know, find an FLGS who's willing to open up a copy for you and let you uh, see the components. Uh, and I think you'll probably get sold on it.
1: And if you own an FLGS, like this should be a display near your cache. Yeah. Like just have it set up <laughs> there. You're going to sell copies. I think the, the thing that's shocking me the most is how hard it is. Like there's a learning curve to how the ladders fit to be solid. That I think the more this game gets played, the better we're going to get at it. Like, at this point, I'm still having a hard time hitting the top of the box Oh yeah, when we play. But I've already figured out a few, like, tricks and specific moves that seem to be very solid. But I'm still messing that up sometimes. So, like, out of all the Dexterity games, it's got a little more of a learning curve that way. More of a physics learning curve, I guess, than than some of the others.
0: You almost really want to play the solo game a few times just to get more familiar with how they yeah or they sit together
1: see i feel that but then i also don't want to be the person who shows up that's too good at the game <laughs> right where everyone else is dropping everything and i'm just like Bronk, what how'd you do that <laughs> uh next up we played for the first time uh blocking key and and what i enjoyed about this one is we're sitting at a coffee shop and i bring this game out and, and sean just gave me a look right and and then i started trying to build the stack board and then there's okay the rule book in this game is dumb like it, it's huge and floppy, and it opens up. And for some reason, has a fold-out insert, and I'll never know why. And Sean just gave me this, uh, like, well, well you're gonna make me play this. What is this?
0: Yeah, it, it doesn't make a great first impression. Um, the the rule book is wonky. Yeah. The, the board does some interesting things, I and mean, it's got it. It tries to be too smart, uh, yeah. and fails. Um, each side of the board has its own version of instructions for players to play on, but they're all tried. they're they're integrated with the theme and they're kind of over integrated with the theme, and you turn it turns out you're three quarters of the way through the game before you even realize that you're supposed to be looking at these things on the side of the <laughs> the, the box and, and that they're different for it. It was a pretty rough introduction, I have to say.
1: Yeah, it was. Now, the gameplay, though, is pretty neat. Um, it, it's a two-layer board. The bottom layer is literally just there to hold things. It, it holds your tiles. Um, the tiles here are polyominoes, but they're three-dimensional polyominoes, and they're made of clay. And one of the best parts of this game is just the tactile nature of it. The feeling of those tiles is fantastic. Um, and then there's an upper layer of the board, and the only reason it's upper is... Is because it's trying to get it to average gamer eye height i think is what they aim for and i don't know how, who they measured for this um but it's someone shorter than both sean and i um but the whole thing with this game is you have a bunch of cards that show you patterns and then there's a bunch of these polyominoes and you're going to draft polyominoes and put them up on the board following some pretty restrictive placement rules which i'm not going to get into until the full review and then you're going look i can see this on my card well the thing is though you only look at the board from your spot. So there's very definite seating. And when you play with two players, you can't even sit opposite each other. You have to be next to each other. And three players, you avoid a side. And only with four players, you have someone on all sides. And you only look at the board from your angle. So what it looks like to me is going to be totally different than it looks like to Sean, which will be totally different than it looks like to Deanna. And one of the things I found with more plays of it is it can actually be cutthroat. So because instead of playing like your nice, simple, I'm going to score here. If I can put it more on her side of the board, I'm probably going to mess up something for them. And it's it's actually a really fascinating game.
0: Yeah, no, it It turns out that despite the uh, initial hesitation I had, the game itself is actually really solid. Uh, the yeah. only problem with it being, uh, you know, in the actual gameplay is, again, that height. Uh, you really kind of want to find a way to get it to the right height for the people. And you don't necessarily want to play it with with tall and short people at the table because I I found I was really slouching at the coffee shop where we were at yeah. in order to get down to that right level. Uh, another option, I suppose, could be using your phone, uh, much in the way we did with that picture-taking game. Um, oh, yeah, Picture Perfect. Picture Perfect. Uh, that might be a solution where you can sort of limit it by, by you know, put the phone in the right spot. And if you can see it on the phone, it, it's right. But... Um, the other, the other issue is placing them, uh, because you're down looking level at it, placing them in the right spot onto the grid so well, then they you need they actually line it. up properly. You need to be above it. So it, yeah. there, there's a, there's a sort of confl- conflict that way in where you want to be.
1: I think you get more used to playing it that, that you're at this angle and you can still tell. But yeah, there's that, you need those bar stools that you used to have where you <laughs> spin them and they go up and down. There you <laughs> go that might be it or,
0: or, so yeah that barbershop, was block and key.
1: barbershop chair <laughs> yeah barbershop chairs there we go the next time we're at the barbershop bar we're gonna have to, <laughs> we can go sit on the other side to play <laughs> so yeah that was blocking key um another canadian game um from inside up games i it's still discovering it right that was our first play um i have played it again since in a way i i taught it but we'll get to that in a minute um, last game played with Sean. I don't know if you want to call it Mini sean I was just like, we were out when we, we had breakfast, we had coffee, we played a few games, uh, was lucrum So this is a two-player game. Um, that someone reached out to me and was like, it was during when I was talking about Boop and Shobu, those two episodes of the podcast where we kind of reviewed them back to back. It's like, if you love two player abstract games, you're gonna love this. And I didn't do a lot of research. I was just like, oh, sure. And I'm like, I they're like, Can you please review my game? And I'm like, I have no idea when I'll get to it, but you know what i you know what send us a copy sure like i'm like i i can't promise anything i don't know if we'll get to a review how long it'll take and they're like no no i'll just send it get to it when you get to it well i packed it and we were there and deanna deanna uh had had enough she had a she had a hard time with her eyes being able to play um blocking key unfortunately so we're sitting there at the coffee shop so i break out lucrum and um breakout is possibly the right word because the first problem with this game was trying to punch it from the punch boards um and while the first play went so bad, like, part of me is tempted to just stop now and to be like, OK, I I don't know. Let's give the game a fair shot with the second play. But you know what? We're not in a review segment. We're in the Bellhops tabletop. We did play it. So uh, we're going to we're going to share some thoughts on Lucrum. I don't know. I didn't actually do the punching because I was reading the, the rule book while you were punching, but you and Indiana definitely had some difficulty.
0: I, I thought I was going to hurt myself. Um, it was a tough battle between snapping the, the boards. It it's, it's the thin, uh, thin wood. Um, but, trying to punch those out I mean you're, you're, you're you don't want to snap the board in half and risk damaging pieces but you also want to get it out and I mean I you know I there were divots in my fingers but I by the time I was done it did you know we, we talk about how easy some games punch most doing unboxings yeah. and things are falling out of their pieces well I mean yeah. this this thing wouldn't have fallen out with a hammer and chisel <laughs> Yeah, what, what I thought was odd is I've
1: done now that I've built a number of birchwood box inserts and wooden puzzles and, and escape room boxes. Like, where's the poker? Like, most of those come with a poker, a way to poke the things out. It seemed, though I don't even know if that would have helped, but it seemed like it would have helped.
0: Well, they were, they were held on like all four sides, basically. It, it was, yeah. They just weren't cut well. Now, I will say with the finished
1: product looked really nice. It did. Because it was silk screened birchwood and it looked really nice when it was done like like the, the, there was an elegance to the game once it was punched but man i have never seen anyone struggle that hard to punch a game
0: although i have to say they almost went too far with the the silk screening because they've they've silk screened both sides and it looked like you were going to set it up and lay it out for some hidden you know hidden movement or hidden action and you know picking tokens and, and flipping up and being surprised by what was there but the the backsides of almost everything didn't matter yeah there was only one set of cards <laughs> yeah com- completely, tiles, you completely meaningless them. backside uh artwork which again yeah. that, that's going to drive the price up on this to double that's side true. everything unnecessarily fair all
1: right so the next thing was we sat down and played and and i'm uh so the big thing with this game is there's two distinct phases there's a setup where it's i don't know kind of feels chess like but you're basically putting down things on the map and you control areas around you on on basic it's not a chessboard because it's like half the size and you're gonna do that to show what areas you control as well as make your starting units but there's like no suggestions on what you should be doing or how you should be doing this or why you should be doing this so i just kind of sat there and went i'm gonna try to claim as many open spaces because that gets me more gold whereas i don't know if sean had any strategy i was putting randomly but like no clue like we just put all these things out on a map
0: yeah and i mean even looking at the description of the game i still don't understand why i'm doing what i'm doing at at the start of this game um i'm sure there is a theory i'm sure there is a tactical reason and 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 goals and things but nothing about this game tells me what that might be and so as a first play you're completely blind And you may as well be flipping your pieces from a distance onto the board to see where they land, because (laughs) that's just kind of what you're going to end up with. So then you get into this other phase
1: and I'm not even going to bring up the theme like uh, they tried and and failed to put a theme on this because nothing we were doing felt anything like the theme. And I don't even it was something like a bunch of people gathering because a king died and you're going to do political maneuvering. Meanwhile, it very much felt like armies on a battlefield, like in chess like fighting over different terrains. So I, I don't know, whatever. So then you get to a battle phase and you got numbered tiles. There's zero one two three four zero one two 1, 3, I 0, 1, and 3. I don't remember the exact numbers. And you spend those to do stuff like move your units and attack and stuff. But then battle is deterministic, but it's not because you need to save some of those tiles. So that it's kind of like hidden, like, oh, did he use his three yet? Or is he going to use it in that battle? I, it was just kind of a mess. At least that part felt like there was some strategy to it. It didn't feel totally random. Unfortunately, the good I can say unfortunately
0: there were six rounds and once the, 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 the battle started to shift, it really tumbled fast. So, you know, after two rounds, it's like, all right, why are we playing the next four rounds? We can all see exactly what is going to happen with any intelligent movement. We're at a tic-tac-toe yeah. point here, right? It's it's someone is going to win and someone is going to lose, yeah. or someone plays stupidly to change that. Um, and so having these six rounds of battle felt pointless. And again, maybe if you understood all the tactics and the basics of the basics and got that you know, perfect setup that six, those six rounds would become important. But again, without knowing that and, and having no way to understand that and no input from the designers of the game as to the, the you know, what, it what made sense. Yeah. That's that. And then at the end of it, you t- you tally up the gold and whoever has the most gold wins.
1: Yeah. I had that, you know, how, like, like when people who takes chess seriously play each other, they'll get, you know, whatever 13 moves in and then one will just, you know, tip their king. It felt like that was supposed to happen, but neither, neither of us are good enough to know, and and I think it might be doing the, I, I, I realize some game designers, winsome game designers are famous for this, for saying, you know, if you can't lose in the first round, why have a first round? I very much got that vibe that you could lose this game during that initial setup, even though we had no clue what we were
0: doing. Absolutely, I, I, and I think I did lose the game in the first in, in, during yeah. that setup. But we had no idea until the third round. But by the third round, we still had three more rounds to go, and we didn't understand why. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. it was uh, it was interesting. Now, the telling thing for me about this game is that it's listed as a 2022 publication that no one has reviewed, no one has commented on, no one has one person has asked about a print and play in the forums, but there's no files and no other forum posts. Yeah. So whatever has happened with this game, people don't know about it. So if oh. there is a strategy out there and there are people out there who, who are really into this kind of strategy and understanding of it, they haven't found the game yet. <laughs>
1: yes. I know. I,
0: I still haven't given up hope on it, but I have a feeling this is going to be one of
1: those games. That I like, like it may take more than five games to figure out the brilliance here. And I'm not sure I want to put forth that effort.
0: I, I want to put it in front of Charles and one of his friends yeah. and, and watch them play it. Because no, exa- I, 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 I don't think this is my kind of game. I was really unimpressed with the official, with, with the first uh, play of it. And and that's fine. I am not necessarily an abstract planner. I don't play chess. But right. I would love to see what these tactical chess-loving people make of the game and get their opinion of it, because they're obviously the people who should be playing this game. So right. if 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 Charles sits down and goes, "Oh, I, this is fantastic," the the intricacy of the setup, I can go, "Oh, okay, it's not for me." Yep. But start look. We 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 have now seen who this game is for, and I, and I expect right. to see something of that one way or the other.
1: Yeah, I might have to actually save this one so I can get someone like Charles to play it. Just just for, if we were going to his place for, for New Year's, I would bring it actually, but we're not. Mm-hmm. All right. Enough about Lucrum till the next time we give it a shot or let someone else give it a shot <laughs> for that matter. Um next, the the family finally finished the first half of the Ghost in the Machine. Um that is the big uh, mysterious package company game that we've been reviewing for far too long. Um, the ladies are loving it. They're they are totally into it, totally digging it. Um, the the second half of the first part really opened things up, had more of an exploration feel, included a number of clever moments. And there was actually a point, and I'm tempted to go back and kind of look through the book myself to find out, where we were worried you could lose the game, that, that, that your investigator could die. Um, and things got rather tense. Um, I, I don't know. I, I really don't know. I, I'm guessing it's not a true which way book type of experience where, you know, you do the wrong thing and then you go back and go, OK, we didn't go that way. I, I have a feeling there was just a branching path and you got a different story. But uh, yeah. Wow. Like, I, I totally wasn't expecting a particular twist that, that was very tense. Everyone at the table is like leaning in and listening to D read and like, oh, my gosh, what's going to happen? Um, I, I'm still shocked by how long this is. But honestly, what what that's part of what makes this so good in a way. Because like we approach this game as we do any other board game. We were thinking of this game as a board game. We were thinking of it as an escape room in a box. And that's not what it is. This is an interactive mystery novel, that, which is a totally different experience. Here is a much longer experience. And I've got to say, I know Mysterious Package Company stuff is not cheap. And we've kind of justified the price before because of the component quality, which I still stand by. Like You get really nice looking stuff. Uh, you're not just getting a bunch of printed out sheets and a ball of twine thrown in a box and called an escape room. But you are getting a lot of entertainment for that price. And we're only halfway through.
0: Yeah, this is this is pretty remarkably once you 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 accept the the components, and there are there is a lesser version of the game that doesn't have the the super deluxe components. Uh, no, no, I, this is there's only one version of this game. Oh no, sorry, I'm thinking of yeah. You're, you're oh, mixing oh, it up yeah, with I'm um the other one. Yes, you're right. Hunter Killer. Yes, Hunter, Hunter, Killers, Hunter Killer's games. Not, this isn't Hunter Killer. Um, that's right. This one, this one is the one, but it all has a really nice paper. It has it has a really nice paper. Oh yeah, um, but
1: there's not even paper. They, we they're uh, these putting spoilers in the chat, but like <laughs> there's there's other artifacts.
0: Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. No, but it's you know it's fantastic that way but again this is two novels basically you know yeah. you have two which way novels that you're going through to get this so you're looking at you know 30 a soft cover book uh these days um uh of two of them plus all the components and other things going on so
1: i want to double check something right now cuz i don't remember off the top of my head what the price is <laughs> the problem is they are out of stock yet again (laughs) so yeah it's 50 bucks it's on sale for 50 bucks it's back in stock um regular 60 so shipping calculated checkout so yes on sale so you're looking at 50 bucks for yeah it is sold out 50 bucks for 8 to 12 hours of gameplay like for for the usual you know price versus time spent price value calculation this blows away most board games in my collection Though, it doesn't have the board game advantage of being able to play it multiple times, which is what usually offsets the expense of board games. But for cheaper than the price of a usual board game, you get a full experience.
0: Now, Dee's mentioning that there is an edited version on Amazon that's much cheaper with only two books and no material components. My understanding is there are material components in in that like maps and things that are sort of shoved into these books oh uh, well, that's even I, i've then. seen reviews uh from them where it's it's kind of actually people are a little upset because it's kind of like photocopied stuff like it's not yeah it's but really discount the... it's really discount but okay it, you can get it done with you know you've you've got what you need you just don't have the the fancy components all right so that is our 2024 uh one of deanna's
1: goals just to finish that game which she's mad because i told her we had to put it on hold for the holidays so we could play games together <laughs> like catch the moon which this time we played with the kids and brenda who all enjoyed it um as expected um my kids loved it i i knew they would i, I knew this was their kind of game um and honestly the, like you know i mentioned if, if they hadn't gotten taiko from master or if I hadn't got it, that was my gift. When I walked in to get my coffee the other day, I wouldn't have been surprised if the kids were sitting there playing Catch the Moon on their own. They've already both asked us to bring it to school, and we said no because we're worried about that component breakage issue. Um, we're like, no, you can play it at public play events. Uh, Gwen, maybe you can bring it to school, but you are going to watch that game. Because especially grade school kids, I worry about anything from books, balls, to other kids being thrown on top of it or
0: something. Yeah, no, this is just, this is just a great game. Again, like almost all the Dexterity stacking style games, it goes really well for a wide variety of people. The only ones who it's not going to go out for are the ones who, you know, just refuse to play stacking games and that's fine. But uh, there's a lot of people
1: out there who like them. Uh, Next up, we did have a barbershop bar game night since last time we were here. Now it was close to Christmas, very close. It was Christmas Eve Eve. As my kids like to call it um wasn't sure what to expect really like uh one of the things we really pushed um because the barbershop bar is very much an inclusive safe space we really pushed the if you don't have family come hang out with ours aspect of it and we weren't sure how well that would go over but we got a pretty good crowd it wasn't packed it wasn't empty and those were the two things we thought we figured it'll be empty or packed and it wasn't it was maybe two-thirds of our usual crowd. And uh, the big one was nine people, nine local gamers I hadn't met before, which was awesome. I love seeing new people out to our events. Um, and of those nine people, quite a few were like, "Is this happening regularly? Do you do these once a month? When's the next one? Can we come back next week? Are you going to be here next Saturday? I got a lot of, are you going to be here next Saturday? And I'm like, no, 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 once a month. Um, so that was actually really cool.
0: Yeah, it's, it's you know, again it's such a shame that CG doesn't have the same space that that has the uh the ability to host uh events there in the way they had been pre-pandemic but uh yeah. the fact that we do have that once a month uh event and there is there is another group that's starting up another new event in town so uh things are looking better on the uh the gaming front public gaming front in Windsor now that event um i did the hosting
1: thing right i spent most of the time teaching games so like said nine new people so that they were not nine new people together so there were the, the there was um i taught lock and key which uh there was a trio of gamers who tried that one out and and loved it like um it was one of those like you could tell they knew hobby games like they probably did, you know some Catan, some splendor maybe some ticket to ride but had never seen a game with two layers and so and and ceramic blocks right so that was pretty cool. Um, helped Gwen teach a game of monstrosity. Um, then she went and taught it to a different group on her own later. Um, caught multiple different groups catch the moon during the night. Because, again, it's so quick. You just go over. You set it up in front of them. You throw the things in. Say, roll the die. Okay, place that. Only touch one ladder. Roll the die. Okay, place that. And I generally stick around until I've seen everyone do the die thing once, and then I walk away and say, "Hey, I'm a wave, and I'll be back over."
0: Yeah, no, it's fantastic. One of the things that has really uh, come out this year, and you you saw it in our earlier uh, discussion, is there's a lot of games getting uh, in our hands that are quick to play and easy to teach. And those are just so fantastic for public play events. uh, And they really allow more people to get and learn games. Even if we don't have Mm -hmm. as many teachers, uh, a lot of people can get playing quickly. So to uh,
1: jump back to our Ask the Bellhop topic earlier, they do kind of skew our number of game plays by the end of the year because these quick and heavy ones, it makes you think those are our favorite games are these quick, heavy, quick, light party games. Not anything against that type of game. but That's not generally what I played. Now, as for what I personally played, I did play a few rounds of Catch the Moon. Um, I taught a group psychobabble Gab- and I did the whole, you know, I'll be the therapist the first round. But I did actually stick around for a full um there were there were five of us playing, so I stayed for a full five rounds with each of us being therapist once.
0: Yeah, and Psychobabble is just so fantastic. It's really easy to get hooked on that game and and not, you know, oh, I'll just be here for one round. Oh, no, but this is fun, so I'm going to keep playing. Because yep. it just, it really works so well. And the art in that game is just oh, yeah. so fantastic and allows for such interesting play. Uh, and again, yes. you know, I the, the way people play that game is really interesting to watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, every group is different. Now, I will say, up until
1: now, I've never had this game fail. Now, this time, there was one player who ended up not liking the game. Now, I knew it was going to happen sometime, right? Not every game is for everyone. Um, and what I expected to be was either someone would not like the theme, which is fair because it is a problematic theme, or they don't like the social deduction or the fact you could lie. What the problem was is the not, not the improv you can say anything, so I'm stumped. I don't know what to say. It was the fact that they didn't like that you could say anything. So the first time it came up, we're going around, and, and the psychotherapist asked the player something about the dream. Like, was it spiky? And their answer was, I don't know. And then this other player is like, what do you mean you don't know? And I'm like, no, that's a valid answer. They said, I don't know. At that, you were allowed to answer that. Why are you allowed to answer that? Don't you have to say something about the dream? I'm like, no, there's no rule. When you describe your dream, you can describe it however you want. When you answer the questions, you don't have to tell the truth. You can say whatever you want. So then the next round, the same player was still pissed off because they they were not on the winning team that round, and they blame the person who said I don't know. So when they got to their turn, we're like, what you what happened during your dream? Did you hear voices? Oh, what Kyla said. And we kind of looked at him, and one of the players was playing was like, what are you doing, dude? Like he's like, if she's allowed to say I don't know, I'm saying what she said. We're like, okay, but like that's kind of not in the spirit of the game. He's like, yeah, but this game's dumb. You can answer whatever you want. And it just, I don't think they understood properly how to win. That they, they didn't understand that the inmates are supposed to figure out which one of them is insane, which means you're going to have to answer something so that other people know what page you're on. And they just didn't seem to get that part of the game and were just so frustrated by the, I don't know.
0: Yeah, we, so, haven't, we, we haven't had to teach uh, the sort of in-depth uh strategies of the game because again it's hard to there's a lot of different possible strategies you can go to uh so it's not something we really discussed with players when teaching the game uh and it sounds like this person just may have kind of missed the whole point which is gonna happen sometimes uh and and again if they were you know if they were frustrated by something or in the wrong mood that can certainly color things so uh it's unfortunate, but again, you know, not every game is for everybody, and you know, there are days when uh, games have failed for me. That uh, you know, the next time it may work for me. So I think I, you also had the problem. Someone
1: wanted to win, right? And honestly, when I'm playing Psycho battle, like I always say, I, I play to win, but I don't care if I win. Psycho Babble, I don't. I don't even know if I'm playing to win. I don't even care. <laughs> I'm planning to have a, an experience and laugh about what people said and get to the end and go, what? That was your dream? What the heck did you
0: mean by the man on the lake shore? There's no lake there. That's the part of the game I enjoy. I mean, heck, I played that game once and I had the wrong card as my dream. I was looking at the wrong card yes. the entire game and it was hilarious. It was great fun. Yep. So, you know, again, it's uh, yeah, some games are not uh, really competitive uh
1: also at the barbershop bar uh this is kind of mixed in here so gwen and i had some downtime um one of the things that happens when you teach everyone else to play games is you end up not playing games yourself so i had finished teaching um what i was teaching gwen finished teaching monstrosity and we were kind of sitting there and so i grabbed my copy of marvel dice throne so this is a first impressions of Marvel Dice Throne. So this is a dice driven uh battle game from Roxley Games called Dice Throne. The op licensed it from Roxley so they could combine it with their Marvel license, and they produced a Marvel version of the game. Now I have the four-player set that includes uh Thor Loki, Scarlet Witch, and Miles Morales Spider-Man. So we sat down, we each picked our own character, and, and you gotta see the unboxing for this. It's not live yet, but we gotta get the unboxing out so people can see it. Cause holy cow, is it impressive? Because it's like comes with game trays already set up, and you open the box, and it's just like, I hand Gwen a thing, I take a thing, we open, we play. Yes, there was one punch board I had to sort, but that's it. So it was really impressive. I uh, sat down to play. I got to say, you can't help but compare this to Kapow. You, you have player boards in front of you. You have sets of dice that you're rolling to activate powers. That part is identical. This, though, has no hidden elements. There's no moving your dice around or planning. So it's a very di- different game because it's weird because it's, it's both easier and more difficult. It's easier in the fact that there's no placing your dice and trying to find the optimum move. It's more Yahtzee-like. You're rolling the dice and hoping for this result, and then going, Okay, oh, I, I can't get that. I can get this, so I'm going to re-roll those two dice. And then you're like, oh, I didn't get this, so I'm stuck with this. Do I push my luck and hope for a Yahtzee that gets my superpower off, or do I just go with this lesser power that does three damage? So it's it's, it's th- that way. But then it's super asymmetric. So I was playing Scarlet Witch, I had all these abilities that caused or gained me status effects. And most of these status effects were to modify reality by changing the dice, including a very cool power which made me give one of my dice to my opponent to use on their turn. And of course, none of my symbols match what they need to do on their board, which I just thought was really neat. Meanwhile, Gwen's playing Miles Morales, who is all about um, turning invisible and being able to dodge damage when attacked. But counterattacking, so a lot of his damage comes from you trying to hit Miles and uh, I'm hitting back. And it seemed really neat. But to add to all that, each character has their own deck of cards. And you've got a whole, you know, magic dueling card game going on at the same time where you have a resource of combat points that you gain every turn and you're using that to upgrade your abilities as well as modifying the dice and using instants. So it was kind of like, like, like magic meets Yahtzee but Marvel. <laughs> it was... It was a very fascinating game. You had a way more health than power. Everyone starts with fifty. It I was just so interestingly different. Well, being the same basic game, it's it's you roll dice and put them on your board to activate powers. That part's identical.
0: Interesting. I mean, I this one, I I just need to to try and play. Yeah, it's it, 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 You know, you can you can listen to someone say you know Yahtzee superheroes with cards, but until you play that, I don't think you're really yep. gonna fully understand. Now, fair enough. Now Gwen felt it was very
1: unbalanced. She felt Miles Morales was not as good as Scarlet Witch and it wasn't fair. I personally think it's just it's high luck factor because well you're playing Yahtzee, right? You have got 5 dice you're rolling. Um they only have 6 sides and they're number 1 to 6 and some of the things you're rolling for are large straights and small straights, right? Like it really does have that Yahtzee feel. Um and but then you also have a deck of cards which is shuffled and randomized. So you got random on top of random. And I think that is what happened. Because the game is specifically set up, this set, it's Thor versus Loki and Scarlet Witch versus Miles. So, if any of the two characters should have been about equally balanced, that should have been it. Now, if I grabbed Miles Morales versus Loki and it felt unbalanced, I'd be like, oh, you got to stick to the stack set once for it to work. So, again, I think it was luck. Um, Gwen is very competitive. So, she was a little frustrated. and She's like, I'll never play that character again. It's just like, if I you play Villainous with her, she's going to play Maleficent because she hasn't lost yet. She's not even, I'm like, hey, do you want villainous expansions for Christmas? She's like, well, you can get someone to play other characters. I'm going to play Maleficent, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't blame her. So I don't know. I, I, it's going to take more plays to figure out if that was really a problem, or, or maybe there is a balance issue with this game. But I got to say, I think you'll like this, and I have a feeling you'll like it more than Dice and, and Kapow, but I can't, won't know till we play.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I you know, while I do call out some games for being too, um, too random at times again, and ship of havoc recently, what, you know, I talked yep. about being too random, but ship of havoc felt like it Seize. should be a Euro, uh, sorry, season of havoc felt like it should be a Euro. And so adding in that randomness kind of skewed what was a good solid Euro into that Ameritrash side too far. Whereas yep. I don't, have any expectations that this is going to be a euro i'm going in right. expecting a randomized superhero brawl uh mm-hmm. and, and it sounds like that's what you're going to get out of it yeah uh so matching expectations is a big deal when it comes to that mm-hmm. randomness versus non-randomness totally agree uh now we get to boxing day no
1: ticket to ride 10th anniversary this year. Actually, I didn't even think to uh pack it, <laughs> which is bad on me because like that was the tradition for years, but I didn't even grab it. But uh um, more catch the moon. I don't think we need to to talk about catch the moon anymore, but again, it was popular. Um, then we broke out um humbug in the 12 games of Christmas, which you know seemed thematic at the time. Here it is, Christmas Eve, and I taught the giving spirit because as I said earlier during the review, I really liked that game. I so far think it's the best game in the box, and I've now played more than half of them. And everyone liked it. Like, like this is a family. We play trick-taking games. Brenda played trick-taking games. Uh, like the, that. This is, anytime we get games like Koo and Macaron, that's where I'm bringing it, right, is to Brenda's to play. Um, so everyone loved it. And, and the one that amused me the most is my youngest daughter, Genevieve, who used to have a hard time with trick-takers, has now, like, figured out the basics, right? I no longer have to remind her how trick-taking works as soon as I say, you know, and the highest card takes the trick. She knows what I'm talking about. And man, did she get into it. And the whole thing was, is this is a trick-taker would take that elements, which I hadn't really caught that being a big draw to it. But man, she would love winning a trick just to be able to hand out those cards at the end as the postman and, you know, give the person the 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 second three or give someone the fourth six, you know, that that you're now screwed. There's nothing you can do about it. She had such a great time screwing over other players. Now, the one thing I did find was a problem with this game, especially in the learning game. I have a feeling if we played a second round, it would have been fine. Was if one player plays very badly, the game's over too quick. We literally played two hands and that's it. And it was over because Gwen missed something in my rule description of of, of how to play or something. And and I don't know if she was trying like trying to do the shoot the moon because I'll collect all the cards, but um, she had started with the most golden rings. And I think she got nine points in the first round. And while well, you only played to twelve. So there were only four left for her to get in the second trick and the game was over. Yeah, that's tough. Uh
0: yeah, and that happens sometimes, you know. You miss you miss something. We we talk every time, you know, extreme plays are re- a real thing. And unfortunately, mm. sometimes that can skew it uh horribly. And and yeah. just uh just a matter of the way things go. Now, what it felt to me is like like play to 24
1: or something. I think I think might have improved it. Like maybe the game's a little too short. And I don't think it'll break because you play full hands every time. Like, I don't I don't think playing long, except for maybe people getting sick of the game would actually break the game or who's going to win and lose. Like, I, I'm, I'm thinking like stretching out those 12 days of Christmas into something longer might be a, a good house rule for the giving spirit.
0: Could
1: be. Uh, then we ended Boxing Day with the completely seasonally appropriate The Night Cage. From Smirk and Dagger Games, uh, this is a horror-themed cooperative tile-laying game where you are playing prisoners crawling through a labyrinth with only a single candle to light your way. Um, you are exploring the labyrinth, but your candle only illuminates the tiles that are orthogonally adjacent to you. Each player needs to wander through the labyrinth until they can find a key. Then they all have to gather all the players together at a single gate to escape. Plus, there are monsters in the labyrinth as well. Interesting. Now, this one features some very cool mechanics. Um, The rules for lighting, the rules for falling down pits, uh, the way the monsters work, um, including the way your candle can get blown out so you can only see one square around you. Because, of course, this is also a messed up magical labyrinth. And once a a tile is no longer lit, it's removed from the game. And when you come back, it may not look the same as you remember. Um, the, the whole mechanic where the stack of tiles are held in a candle holder and that represents your l- dwindling wax because the game, well, it doesn't end when you're out. But uh, once that stacks out, the c- candles are now sputtering. And at the end of the round, you have to remove tiles. Um, it, it was very neat. Um, there was a Bomberman like chain effect where the, the monsters, they were called wax eaters, would set each other off. Uh, really interesting. Now, the rule book's a bit rough um this is one of those ones though that like all the rules are there somewhere they're just not necessarily where you'd expect them um i did find myself on board game geek in the rule forums and yes there are multiple pages of rule forums every single one of the answers i was looking for was somewhere in the rule book but it took someone else to point to where they were for me to figure some of them out um now i did notice other reviewers call this out and i gotta say now that i've now tried to learn the game and teach it um you might want to try solo a couple times. Maybe just pull some tiles and do some stuff, especially when you get into the timing for the monsters and how they work. But once we got it, now we did play three times in a row. Once we had the rules down, this had a really nice flow. It played played very well.
0: Yeah, that's so good. We,
1: good. to know. <clears throat> so we tried the base game because there's like a, a you know base game, and then there's like the gamers version, right? So we played the base game twice, one win and one loss, and it, the the loss was one of those. You know, one more turn, just oh, if we had just found the right tile, we like so it felt good. It was a good co-op game loss. And then the advanced game adds more monsters. Um, one of the big things being you can't just find the keys, they're held by monsters, and you have to either defeat them or sneak up on them from behind to steal their keys. Wow, was it harder? Um, enough so that I think um anytime I play this for the next little while, we're gonna go back to the base game <laughs> for the next couple of plays. And then there's a whole system for boss monsters that I think we might touch on play 5 or 10 once we've gotten a little better at it.
0: So very much like uh um Castle Panic in that uh it just seems real hard now until you figure out what's going on and and you'll have to yeah. you know worry about the difficulty later. Yeah, and it, it definitely does seem like they're the, I wouldn't
1: call it solvable, but there are uh, like working together is important and figuring out things like oh, wait, I might not want to reveal tiles in all directions every turn because that burns our wax quicker. And having two players maybe hook up so you're sharing light to see more, it might be an important skill to learn in this game to use when it's appropriate. Like, there definitely was a bit of a learning curve, but honestly, I felt it fit the theme really well. Like, that first game, you're fumbling in the dark, and I got that feel, and it fit thematically. I just wish the rule complications hadn't come up. And I have a feeling this is going to be a great first experience for other gamers when I teach it, say, at the barbershop bar. Because I'll have now figured out all those little weird idiosyncrasies and timing things and the rules. And what actually happens when you jump down a pit and where you fall and stuff like that. That I think you'll get that while we're really fumbling in the dark. And you get that. you de- We definitely had that first, okay, let's try again. Now that, now that we get it, let's do it again. Right. My only regret here is I just wish I'd gotten it unboxed in time for our Halloween event. But you know what? Now I've got the game, so we can play it next Halloween. Absolutely. There we
0: go. All right. Uh, And we've already talked some about what's coming up next. We've got uh, some New Year's gaming uh, that'll be happening before we record again. And so uh, we'll see what all gets to the table before we see everyone next week. Next week and next year. Indeed. And now... Before we start locking things down, let's take a moment to thank a selection of our Tabletop Bellhop Patreon patrons. Their support helps keep this show going.
1: And you know what, seeing it's going to be the start of a new year, let's go through the whole list of awesome people tonight. Starting with Diane Tuzan. Thanks, Mom. Chris Leary. Thank you, Chris. Brian Sheehan. Thank you, the first of many Brian's. Dukas. Thank you. Ron F. Thank you, Ron. Roger Melosh. Thank you. David Miller Jr., awesome to see you in the chat for pretty much the whole show. Thank you.
0: Brian Kurtz, Brian number two on the list. Thanks, Brian. Jeffs, Sheila, and Clara Seuss, thank you. Cat, Corey, uh, Cat Tori, and now Clark,
1: thank you. Brian Van Beek, that'd be Brian number three. Thank you, Brian. William Fisher, thank you. Note these Brian's are in no particular order. Just Brian, thank you. Andrew Dacey, thank you, Andrew. Danielle and Owen Thomas, thank you, and always great to see you in the chat room. John P. Kelly, thanks, Sean. Derek Hisson, thank you, Derek.
0: Thank you to the Misdirected Mark
1: podcast. Our Pax the Paladin, thank you, Donna. Evil John, thank
0: you, John. Carlos, thank you, Tycho. And Valentine Peish, thank you. Well, that was the double bell. Uh, that means our shift's coming to an end, and we're going to have to lock the lobby doors. Though the doors are closed, you can always find us at TabletopBellhop.com, all over the web as TabletopBellhop, one word, and on your podcatcher of choice as the Tabletop Bellhop Gaming Podcast. Sean and I both fuel our gaming love with coffee, lots and
1: lots of coffee. You can purchase us a coffee at coffee.com, that's ko com slash Tabletop Bellhop. As a bonus, I'll even share with you what type of brew I make and post a thank you pic on social media.
0: Well, that's all for us tonight. Another way you can show your support is by giving us a thumbs up, a like, leave a comment, or better yet, tell your friends and fellow gamers about our show. For the Tabletop Bellhop Gaming Podcast, I'm Sean. And I'm Mo. Thank you. And and game game on. on find full reviews show notes and more at tabletopbellhop.com. graphic design by brian weiss at rpg and co music is nimbus by eveningland the podcast is released under a creative commons attribution license